Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. the Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 1st of May, Year of Our Lord 2018, and that is, of course, in honor of the passing of Gunny. I got this from about 10,000 different military sites, and I can't even remember which one this one is, but I tell you what, that guy was a legend. I'll talk more in the endings of a parting shot for him. But um, he is the inspiration of me when I was a drill sergeant. I met him in SHOT Show. And I met him like three times in SHOT Show in Vegas. And uh, what a legend. It is sad to see him go. I apologize up front for going off the grid for two weeks for those that listen. I've seen there's been a lot of listens anyway. You're going back to the old uh, 200 and some odd podcasts. But... Um, Going through some stuff, making that transition, don't know what I want to do, and part of me wants to uh, stay retired, and and uh, other parts, dude, you're 50, you can't be retired, so uh, for the last two weeks, I have been doing projects around the house, and uh, getting my house in order, and doing a lot of thinking, and sweet Jesus, I've done a lot of binge watching, which we'll cover on the backside for a light of fire. I, I have done some binge watching of... All sorts of crap while I'm doing this thinking. 
so uh, I promise going forward, uh, you'll get a podcast at least once a week. I won't go off the grid like I did before. And for those that are the diehard, great people that have been supporting this podcast, I apologize. I shouldn't have gone two weeks. Um, I just, every time I started picking up a story and started thinking about, hey, you know what we're going to cover, it was the same old shit. And, and just like you, sometimes, uh, as I've watched, you know, <clears throat> the listens on the podcast, uh, you just need a break. I mean, uh, some of this stuff is so damn ridiculous and it just keeps being repetitive that, uh, thought it was best to just kind of get my head straight and then come back at it. So, um, th- there's no way I can cover two weeks of me being a bum and not doing podcasts, but I can cover some of it. So let's do it. The leaders, Kim Jong-un, you know, remember him, and Moon Jae-in from China, both agreed to a common goal of denuclearization. Naturally, Trump is already taking credit. He's already saying he did it. Um, I mean, I called him Rocket Man. That was provocative. Yep. Is that what he's claiming is his well, uh, Moon Nobel Jae-in, Prize? Moon Jae-in, who you just uh, mentioned, uh, the South Korean president, he mm-hmm. is thanking Trump for supporting the inner Korean dialogue, as he said. But you got to look, not long ago, I mean, Kim Jong-un was threatening us with intercontinental ballistic missiles mm-hmm. and testing hydrogen bombs. And then they get caught up in this war of words. <laughs> Trump enlists these historic sanctions in February. Ivanka Trump meets with Moon. Well, the sanctions Moon, went from 2006. No, but there were they listed new sanctions okay. this February, mm-hmm. the toughest sanctions that they say on record uh, when it comes to North Korea. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we were on the cusp well, of, and China on the cusp got on of board. Uh, unprecedented say, talks. This has little to do with Trump, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. let's face it, China is responsible for 90% of North Korean's, uh, Korea's trade, and China never got on board before. This time, China got on board with the UN sanctions. Mm-hmm. These weren't U.S. sanctions. They were yes. U.N. sanctions. And I think when China gets on board and you're a 90% trade pro- partner, what do you do? You have to come to the table. So I think the kudos goes to China. Well, I actually Trump. think a little well, bit I of both. You, I don't it's think a little you bit could of subtract both. the effect that US, the U.S. had on this. Calling him mm-hmm. Rocket Man. And I'm not saying I agree stuff. with the tactics or I support them yeah. or even saw I, the strategy. I'm just saying with this amount of major players, I don't think you can take Trump out of the equation. I think China had a big part of it mm-hmm. because they've always been on board and voted in favor of sanctions. They've never enforced they never them enforced until now. Them. And Bill, I think the question this morning is, you mm-hmm. know, how real is this? Mm-hmm. Is this just all symbolism? Yeah, I think you are right to be skeptical. I mean, this isn't a Miss World pageant where everyone, you know, proclaims uh, world peace. This, this is really serious stuff. I mean, it is a day when the words historic and extraordinary really are appropriate, but also a day to acknowledge the limits of those words, a day when skepticism is in order. Bill Neely with uh, a really appropriate cautionary flags. But appropriate too is some 
skepticism, skepticism. So, yes, an extraordinary day. Yes, a historic day. But let's not, you know, uh, lose our skepticism in all the emotion of it. We're talking about North Korea. The entire playing field is wet. So they've been lying to us for, you know, 30, 40 years. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen. But actual, uh, you, you, if you just talk about uh, the charm offensive, as as you've said, the charm offensive that's underway right now, something certainly pushed the North to do this, and that is what our policymakers are going to have to figure out. Maybe, you know, it, it's hard not to look at all the bluster and all the insults and 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 all the threats from Donald Trump, and not believe that that actually forced the North and the South to try to figure out a way to get together because. If left to Donald Trump, at least from what they were hearing out of Washington, D.C. and the White House, they could wake up one, one morning with 500,000 dead Koreans on the peninsula. Although there's all, I've taken all of the, the tones of skepticism are, and are, are, are obviously well-deserved and well-placed, um, but the president is going to ha have some ground for saying, all of you skeptics uh, who said that, that my rhetoric, that my uh, unconventional uh, approach to this problem was foolish. Uh, you all said it was provocative. You all said it was inflammatory. And yet, look what's happening right now in the Korean Peninsula. That is what I've been talking about for a damn year. I mean, I, I heard this. Oh, my, my phone sent it to me because once again, I'm I'm fighting Google. And sweet Jesus, they could not for one second put down the claws. And they automatically started, oh, this is not that, but he doesn't deserve it. Some people came out and said, well, he deserves a real, you know, Pulitzer, or Nobel Peace Prize because he was such a great guy and da-da-da and Obama didn't. And, oh, my God, these people are just freaking horrible. So, of course, the the war is actually going to end. North and South agreed to get rid of nukes. Uh, Kim, the Kim came on down and crossed the peninsula. It was a historic event. All right, historic event. But you couldn't, you you couldn't for one second give Trump credit. Now it's not all Trump. It has been the work of fucking Clinton, Bush, Obama, the whole nine yards. I mean, there's been a lot of people working on this. But as we've done in history, it's always the president that's there. That president gets that credit because they're doing it. But they, they couldn't let him. Harry Kakakatrain says, In historic moment, North Korea's dictator crosses into South Korea for the first time since the end of the Korean War. Meaning it's time for another Stormy Daniels segment on CNN. Which is true. Which is totally true. They had a CNN interview the foreign prime, uh, the foreign minister, and they said, Clearly, credit goes to President Trump, King told CNN. Christina Amamamamapur. He's been determined to come to grips with this from day one. NBC News. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un crosses inter-Korean border to begin summit meeting with South Korean President Moon. It's the first time a member of the Kim dynasty has set foot on southern soil since the end of the Korean War. Fact of the matter is, Trump has been hard-lined on this. Now all those gnashing of teeth about him talking shit back. Well, maybe it worked. Maybe for the first time, Kim 
thought, well, shit, I got a crazy fucker just like me across from me, and it's time to do something about it. We'll continue to follow this, because North Korea is a big deal, folks. We, we don't want to go to war there. But I, I, I had to cover it up front just to talk about how even when he does what they want, they don't like him. And if you really research your memory bank, folks, I thought we were going to have a nuclear war. I thought what Trump was doing was going to start Armageddon. That's what you people have been saying since November 9th, 2016. And it appears that, like everything else, is poppycock, horseshit for the commoner. Then we got Booker. Uh, on the last podcast, we played a soundbite of Booker doing a religious litmus test on Pompeo. Now, I, I want you to understand our forefathers are the people that these liberals have been talking about, the media's been talking about. Everybody's been talking about our forefathers. The framers of the Constitution. Yeah, they made sure there wasn't a religious litmus test, but I guess there is now in 2018. Senator Cory Booker announced on Friday that he will vote against CIA Director Pompeo's nomination to become Secretary of State because of Pompeo's beliefs on marriage and sexuality, beliefs consistent with Pompeo's Christian faith. Conservative leaders are now denouncing Booker's vote as a violation of the Constitution's religious test clause. Booker sharply questioned Pompeo on Thursday during the nominee confirmation hearing before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Referring to the word Pompeo spoke at a church in his district, the current director of the Central Intelligence Agency was still serving the U.S. House of Representatives. Pompeo has also supported efforts to defend marriage as a union between one man and one woman. Those beliefs are consistent with mainstream Christian belief. Booker announced on Facebook late Friday that he will vote, vote against Pompeo, saying that the former congressman's religious beliefs on these issues make him unfit to serve in federal office representing the United States. I believe you can't lead the people if you don't love the people, Booker wrote. The center then quoted Bible verses that he thinks Pompeo is not living up to, including references to loving thy neighbor. Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, excuse me, Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution provides no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office of public trust under the United States. Conservatives and Christian leaders are appalled at Booker's announcement, saying the Constitution forbids Booker voting against Pompeo because of the nominee's religious beliefs. Demanding a loyalty oath to Senator Booker's determination of which beliefs are acceptable isn't what this country's about. Indeed, it's what we fought for independence from. Tony Perkins, the president of the Family Research Center, or excuse me, Council, tells Breibart, we should celebrate that we are a nation that not only allows but encourages every American to hold and express their beliefs, including the religious beliefs, without fear of retribution by the government. Let that sit for a second. That's how fucking far left the left is. And it falls in line with the constant theme I've talked about on this show, how liberals fucking hate Christians. I'm sorry. I don't believe marriage is between you and a dude. I believe it's a man and a woman. The Supreme Court has said that that's not 
legal anymore. I don't agree with it because, once again, that's a state right issue. has nothing to do with the federal government and has never had anything to do with the federal government. And I don't give a fuck how far you twist the 14th Amendment. The reality is the framers of the Constitution wouldn't have thought it was right either. Neither did 30 fucking nine states. Including California, Oregon, and Washington. But you overturned it. But this is what we've had for the goddamn last eight years, now nine years, of liberals believing they have the right to tell you what you can believe. Pompeo, in my, my opinion, has every right in the world when asked, do you believe marriage between a man and a woman? No, but Supreme Court did. Hey, uh, that's not illegal. Or is it illegal in this now new world of liberalism where thought is a crime? It's like watching that stupid minority report. Thinking about murdering somebody is now murder. Media didn't cover this. But if the inverse was true, if you were putting up a gay person... And a conservative said, well, I'm going to vote against it because of my religious beliefs. Oh, my Lord and Jesus, uh, you would just lose your mind. You would lose your mind. It would be wall-to-wall on CNN. There would be chirons. It would be out of fucking control. But liberals, and it wasn't just this booker fuck who thinks he's going to be president. Hey, Corey, you're not going to be president. You're not. It's not your skin color, it's your politics. It'll be just like Obama all over again. You're just too purple. Or blue. Well, you're beyond blue. I don't know what color blue you are. You're just super fucking liberal. You're horrible. So, that that was a follow-up on that, and, and he, of course, was confirmed. But, uh, this was going to go in the hate section, but motherfucker, please. Uh, with me now, David Jolly, former Republican congressman from Florida, Barbara Boxer, former Democratic senator from California. David, your thoughts about Barbara Bush and more broadly the, the, the Bush family and how it intersects with the broad trajectory of the party that you call home, the Republican Party. Sure. Listen, Barbara Bush was a remarkable woman. Uh, she, there was a certain grace, a dignity, a quiet power, if you will, to her presence. Uh, she was. She and George Bush were the very first first couple I ever met as a young campaign volunteer in Atlanta. Uh, they had flown in from their last debate in Michigan, that 1992 presidential race. The race had largely gotten away from them, uh, but they arrived and spent the next 24 hours as though, win or lose, they were doing what they felt was right for the country and they were going to win or lose with great dignity. And to your point, Chris, we can't overlook the contrast between the Bush legacy and the state of the Republican Party today. The reality is there is not much room for the dignity of the Bush family in today's Republican Party. That's a political conversation that continues to be had within the GOP. But tonight we celebrate a truly wonderful and remarkable woman. Senator Boxer, how do you think about uh, the, the women in the Republican Party uh, and the Republican Party that, that Barbara Bush uh, was part of for so long and where it is right now? Well, there's just hardly any moderates there. David will tell you what happens if you're moderate, if you even talk uh, to a Democrat and what Trump did to the Bush family when he went after Jeb the way he did, so cynically and brutally, was to take a wrecking ball to the history of the Republican Party. And 
The left decided to do what they always do on conservatives, piss on their grave. On Monday, political leaders and many media outlets shared thoughts and prayers for former President First Lady Barbara Bush, who recently left hospitalization so that she could spend the remainder of her life at home, surrounded by the comfort of loved ones. Some of the media, however, couldn't help but remind everyone of her supposedly tarnished legacy when it came to race relations in America. Because if you're a rabid member of a resistance, you can't even wait one morning to attack a conservative character, even if she is at that point passing on. News One, a journalism platform that touts itself as having the black perspective, published an article Sunday night titled, Forgive But Don't Forget, Remembering Those Times When Barbara Bush Waded Into the Waters of Race. The piece started off by recognizing Bush's recent health is sad and hard for any loved one to endure, but pointed out what's truly tragic is the pain experienced by black people in the wake of several instances of Bush's tone-deaf commentary when it comes to race. Yeah. They go on and talk about Anita Hill the whole nine. It's just, wow. It's pretty fucking horrible. Then there's this. That apparently white sympathy seemed to also be in display in 2014 when she endorsed the campaign to re-elect Maine Governor Paul LePage. Bush supported him by appearing in a campaign and Add two years before he called people of color the enemy right now. Emphasis added. Unless you assume that Barbara sat around bad-mouthing minorities with LePage, how exactly could she be responsible for what he said two years later? But News 1 main gripe was with the former first lady's almost racist legacy was her comments surrounding the Hurricane Katrina disaster in 2005. Since most of the people affected by the hurricane were black, Bush's comments on the underprivileged victims hit the racist mark for many. Of the victims, she stated, as so many of the people in Houston Astrodome here, you know, were underprivileged anyway, so this is working very well for them. News One went on to say that although such comments were offensive, black people are the most forgiving people in the history of humanity to probably mourn Bush's death with respect. Yeah. Okay. That was just one of the many I could have covered. I just wanted to cover that one because the big one is this Randa Gerara. Never heard of her. She's a professor. Barbara Bush was a generous and smart and amazing racist who, along with her husband, raised a war criminal. Fuck out of here with your nice words. Oh, you so woke. Enjoy your woke points. Yay, thank you. I'm using them right now to dance happily on the grave of someone I despise. It's so fun. Other people. Me visiting Barbara Bush's grave when she dies, dancing on her grave. She was a Fresno State professor. Not only did she say this and then double down with go fuck yourself, she then put out a a mental health hotline for people that were dogging her, which overloaded the hotline so that nobody could fucking get help with mental health. Then... Fresno State State says it can't discipline the professor who called Barbara Bush an amazing racist. Professor Jar's conduct was insensitive, inappropriate, and an embarrassment to the university. This is the university president talking. I know her comments have angered many in our community and impacted our students. The university, Castro said, carefully reviewed the facts and consulted with lawyers to determine whether we could take disciplinary action. We've concluded that Professor Jarara did not violate any CSU or university policies and that she was acting in a private capacity and speaking about public matter on a personal Twitter account. Her comments, although disgraceful, are protected free speech under the First Amendment of the Constitution. 
Do you see the just a position there? Pompeo says, I'm a Christian. Thou shalt not lay down with another man. He's hard school, Old Testament. That is heinous. Heniosity. Not even a word, but that's just fucking horrible. We have people getting fucking their whole lives destroyed for not baking a fucking cake for gay people who went specifically there to make them bake the cake because they knew they were Christians. But you can say horrible shit about people and you don't lose your job. When the inverse, people lose their jobs all the fucking time. Conservatives, I mean, remember that one about the lady and she's flying and by the time she fucking lands, you don't have a job. Because she said something that could have been perceived as racist. See, the perception of liberal thought crime gets you fired for righties. But liberals can say whatever the fuck they want. Hypocrisy! You motherfuckers. That was the clapper shit. This shit won't go away because so much truths keep coming back and facts of people like me and every other normal American are go, that this don't scour. This doesn't make any sense. This is all bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Declassified congressional report. James Clapper lied about dossier leak to CNN. I keep saying dossier because I just want to make it sound better than dossier. A newly declassified report on Russian interference in 2016 U.S. elections revealed that former intelligence chief James Clapper lied to Congress about information he shared with CNN. Buried within it, and the 2016 U.S. election is a shocking revelation, DNI, James Clapper, not only leaked information about the Steele dossier and high-level government briefing about it to CNN, he also may have lied to Congress about the matter. And one of the findings within the 253-page report, which, by the way, found Trump had done no collusion, the media promptly said, oh, that's just a part of it. What have you produced, liberals? There's nothing there. There's no there there. This is all just a smokescreen because you fucking hate Trump. Anyway, getting back to it. Clapper detailed the dossier briefing given to then-president-elect Donald Trump to CNN's Jake Tapper, lied to Congress about the leak, and was rewarded with a CNN contract. Clapper flatly denied discussing the dossier, compiled by Steele, or any other intelligence related to Russian hacking of the 2016 election with journalists. That's what he said. When asked directly whether they ever discussed the dossier with any journalist, Clapper replied that he had not, according to a transcript, blah, 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 blah. Clapper subsequently acknowledged discussing the dossier with... CNN journalist Jake Tapper and admitted that he might have spoken with other journalists about the same topic. Clapper's discussion with Tapper took place in early January 2017, around the time IC leader briefed President Obama and President-elect Trump on the Christopher Steele information. The briefing of Trump by U.S. Intelligence Chief was held on January 6th. CNN published its story on the briefing based on an anonymous leak from two national security officials. Ooh, who could it have been? Oh, it was Clapper. Isn't that fucking amazing? The revelation that Clapper was responsible for the leaking details of both the Steele information and briefings to two presidents on the matter is significant because former FBI investigation director Jim fucking Comey wrote in one of four memos 
that he leaked that briefing of Trump on salacious and unverified allegations from the dossier was necessary because CNN had them and were looking for news hook. So Comey only briefed so CNN could report it. That's the money shot. These fucking people are so fucking crooked. Far Left Watch, James Clapper and John Brennan both lied under oath about their agency's abuse of domestic surveillance powers. They never faced consequences for their crimes. Instead, James Clapper now works for CNN and Brennan works for MSDNC. Let that sink in. Think about it. They both leaked sensitive information so that they could fucking get it out, get it reported as we talked about, so they could get the fucking... They did it initially just so they could get the goddamn warrant. And now both of them land jobs with the networks. They leaked information too, and nothing's happening to them. Brennan has like a tweet storm about, oh, Trump... You're a piece of shit. Stay tuned. There's more stuff coming. We're gonna get ya. Remember, he's a Muslim CIA director. I don't know how we fight Muslims with a Muslim, but go ahead. Laura Jarrett, the previously missing then found text messages between FBI officials who came under scrutiny for mocking Trump, how now been delivered to the Hill. So that's new news on that because they lost them. I just did air quotes. And then there's this. Judicial Watch finds new classified emails. Others confirm collusion between State Department and Clinton Foundation. Government Watchdog Judicial Watch has found a series of new emails belonging to former Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton that contain classified information. They were stored on a secured server. Further, they showed collusion between the Clinton Foundation and State Department. Out of the 281 pages of new emails, 10 contain classified information and appear to be among those that Clinton had attempted to delete or otherwise failed to disclose. And then all over this, Comey's doing book tour still. And there was a town hall. I'm not covering it. But I'll cover this. CNN stacks Comey town hall audience questions. Two to one against Trump. 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 Which is Trump. Two to one. We don't have a media. We have a mouthpiece for the Democratic National Committee. And, and the most important part, and why I keep covering this shit is, folks, slowly but surely, the truth is coming out. After the midterm term, they're still going to try to go for fucking impeachment over nothing. It'll be a coup. It's just a coup. Because Mueller isn't investigating anything. Sound like I said Bueller, but I said Mueller. Nothing that has to do with the election. He's trying to find broken laws in Trump Industries. Financial stuff. Because up front, you don't have anything on collusion. It's just not there. And once again, I don't even like Trump. But for fuck's sake, would this ever have happened for Obama? For eight years, liberal media types have been bashing us because McConnell had a goddamn meeting saying our number one job is to get Obama not 
reelected. Politics 101. We were told that is the worst thing anybody could ever do. And then the dams go fucking Cujo. Hold my beer. We'll show you the worst. We'll show you the worst. Then, briefly, Kanye West, I guess during this time period, did some tweets. Supporting Trump. They were pro-Trump tweets. I just want to read one article. Headline, not the article. New York Times. Kanye West, mental stability, up for debate after pro-Trump tweets. The gray lady literally said that. Then they go the whole thing because he's been hanging out with white people. It's about as racist as fuck. All he's surrounded by is Kardashians and a bunch of yes men in the fashion world. He doesn't understand what's happening in the streets. <laughs> Which I don't know what the Kardashians are. I don't know what they are. But they're not black. Then Bill Cosby, of course, during this time period where I was out doing whatever the fuck I was doing, he was found guilty. You knew Tariq Nasheed was going to come out of the woodwork, and here it comes. The Bill Cosby verdict is a perfect lesson for black people. One black person having money does not make you exempt from systematic white supremacy. They use the I'm white and I say so law to take Cosby down. That's because white supremacists know the importance of being on code. So let me get this straight. Black dude, drugs, and date rapes women. That's white supremacy. Because the white man gave him the drugs? Is that what you're saying? Because I don't fucking know where you're going with this shit. I have no fucking idea where any of this is going. People. Ah, oh, fuck it. Let's go to our tweets of the day. So our tweet of the day is usually not political or it's clitchy, pithy, being an asshole, whatever. But this one is political. I I couldn't help it. This hit me in the face about a week ago when I went, holy fucking shit. That's exactly what I said. Deplorable was a set piece, not a gaffe by Hillary. The deplorables always got a laugh over living room chats in the Hamptons at dinner parties under the stars of Martha Vindra Vineyard over past hors d'oeuvres in Beverly Hills and during sunset cocktails in Silicon Valley. Chosiak continues, because there's a new book out by Chosiak, Chasing Hillary. I really messed up, Clinton told aides that night. Chosiak writes in the evening when the candidate's deplorables took went public. But she didn't. She didn't fuck up. She used it to goddamn get money, because that's the people that paid for Hillary. They truly, as we've learned over this last year plus, do hate the rest of America. So she used a deplorable, everybody's a racist that votes for Trump, everybody's a xenophobe, everybody's a homophobe, everybody's a transphobe, to get money. And then it slipped out of her mouth. It was the wrong stump speech. Stump, Stump speech one is for our... Donors, stump speech too, is for general consumption. Then, 
There was this revelation, and it's our tweet of the day. They were to blame. Yep, they. On the night of the election, Chosiak describes a dejected Clinton when she was told by campaign staffers that it was over. Of all the Brooklyn aides, Jim Palmieri had the most pleasant bedside manner, Chosiak writes, that made her the designated deliverer of bad news to Hillary. But not this time. She told Robbie there was no way she was going to tell Hillary she couldn't win. That's when Robbie drained and deflated, watching the results with his team in a room down the hall from Hillary's suit, suite, excuse me, labored into, labored into the hallway of the peninsula to break the news. Hillary didn't seem all that surprised. I knew it. I knew this would happen to me, Hillary said, now within a couple of inches of his face. They were never going to let me be president. They. Who's they? The Illuminati, Hillary? You fucking skank. Hey, tweet of the day! That's a good segue from me hating her into our hate tweets. Bristy, Rachel Maddow, Andrea Mitchell, Maria Schreiber have joined 57 other female producers, journalists, associates with NBC News, and a letter of support for, wait for it, Tom Brokaw. That's right. Tom Brokaw has gotten me motherfucking tooed. Yeah. And remember when Hillary said all women, all women need to be heard. They should be heard and believed first. No proof. Alicia Smith, believe all women until not really. And that's just the sum of liberals. With Mark Halperin, with, I mean, for Christ's sake, every time it comes down, these people, these people, I'm saying these people, totally show they're hypocrites. Accusations against conservative, facts. Accusations against liberals, well, they could just be disgruntled. Yeah. Then Eric Erickson. I've explained to my kids that wokeness is a form of mental illness common in people who can't think for themselves. Why? Because I'm a good, responsible parent. <laughs> I like that. That's hate of the left. Then there was this fupa, which I just thought was just, I did see this on TV. I was flipping channels one day and I knew it was coming. When he said the words, I knew it was coming. During an event with Team USA Olympians and Paralympians at the White House, President Trump said, what happened with the Paralympics was so incredible, so inspiring to me, and I watched it. It's a little tough to watch too much, but I watched as much as I could. Of course, if you're a normal person, he's probably saying, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of time. But that's not what the fucking mob thought. The first one liberals were doing, David Hogg, he's a child, he sees it. The man has empathy of a tree stump. Kamua Bell, Trump on the Paralympics, so incredible, blah, blah, blah. So real Donald Trump, why is it tough to watch? Because it's too incredible or because it's too inspiring? Chris Hayes, honestly, what in the hell kind of thing is this to say? And then his handlers get all over him. 9,000 likes, 3,000 retweets. He then says, so I've listened to the way more than I should have. And I think I've come to conclude he means it's tough to watch too much because he's the president and he's busy. But that ran for a week. 
He bashed another uh, mentally retarded person. Look at Trump. He's evil. No, really, it's your evil. Because if you look into everything and try to find something negative, you're going to find negative. But I didn't read it that way because I'm a normal American and you're a fucking loop. Alex Griswold. Joy Reid linked to a salient blog post about how Muslims fire AK-47s from the garbage and sewage-laden streets outside of their mud huts. And this begins the hate of Joy Reid that's coming back on her, even from lefties. A great segment. I was going to make a little intro. Dun, dun, dun. Joy Reid's a piece of shit, but we already know it. From the Free Beacon, in a series of 2006 blog posts attributed to MSDNC's host, Joy Reid, the liberal pundit linked to Islamophobic blogs and called Islam in its current form largely incompatible with Western democracy. After Reid apologized for old homophobic blog posts in December 2017, her blog, The Reid Report, was effectively taken off the Internet Archive Wayback Machine thanks to exclusion requests added by the website operator. But a mirror of the Wayback Machine operated by Library of Congress remains unaffected, and several of Reed's posts are still visible on that site. Then there's this one. In a 2007 blog post, MSDNC's host Joy Reed attacked TV host Rosie O'Donnell using misogynistic and fat-shaming language and defunded, defended future President Donald Trump. After Reed apologized for old homophobic posts in December, her blog reports for the take off, but we still found it. In a January 9th blog post, Reed weighed in on this celebrity feud between the View host Donald Trump earlier in the feud. Trump had called O'Donnell a real loser, a slob with a fat, ugly face and a fat little rosy. Eric Holder comes out as rock. Joy Reid's apology, appropriate, heartfelt, this unique and compelling voice for tolerance and equality should not be silenced. We learn and change from our mistakes. She has. Teray, the racist, bourgeois alien. If you think Joy Reid actually wrote how much more kick-ass funny can Donald Trump be, then I have a bridge to sell you in Wakanda. Stephen Miller, Torrey, Bush did 9-11, and there are scuba divers in the New York subway system, but Joy Reid didn't write those things on her blog. They just ignored it all until this week. Suspended, Daily Beast hits the brakes of Joy Reid's column over homophobic post. MSDNC host Joy Reid has come under siege past posts on her now-defunct blog, The Reid Report, showcased a rather ugly side of the liberal media personality fraught with anti-gay rhetoric. This isn't the first time a trove of posts was unearthed in December of 2017, written between 2007 and 9, that mocked former Governor Chris Christie. She issued an apology now. A new new dump has dropped, but instead of apologizing, she's claiming the entire and entries were fabricated and that she was hacked. Oh, and some are saying the Russians did it. The FBI is now conducting an investigation, but it appears to be next to zero evidence to suggest Reed was hacked. The post has been dug up on the Internet Archive Wayback Machine, which maintains copies of many pages on the web. 
when Reed said she'd been hacked. Many jumped to the conclusion that it was the Wayback Machine that had been hacked. On its blog, the Internet Archive said that Reed's lawyer had contacted them about a possible hack, but they had no indication there was one. The past December, Reed's lawyer contacted us asking us to have archives of the blog taken down, stating the fraudulent posts were inserted into legitimate content and our archives of the blog, they wrote. Her attorney stated that they didn't know if the alleged insertion happened on the original site or in the archives. Oh, isn't that just digging it up, hmm? It's not possible to view the Internet Archive public stash of Reed blog posts because Reed's team recently inserted code into the text that prevents the Internet Archive from indexing it. Her claims have been described as implausible by tech experts. The Intercept wrote that specialists it consulted were personally unaware of previous instances of Wayback Machine being hacked. Tuesday night, Jonathan Nichols, an independent security consultant employed by Reed, released a statement responding to the Wayback Machine post and other coverage. Nichols asserted that the alleged hacking may not have taken place via the Wayback Machine, but via saboteurs who logged into Reed's account blog itself using login information that was obtained on the dark web. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of dark web for Joy Reed. Mm. Jonathan Bernstein. Also, the Wayback Machine captured these posts at our near the time they were posted over 10 years ago. For this account to make sense, someone would have to have access to reblog with dark web credentials, then travel back in time. The Daily Beast then put out, we'll suspend future columns with Joy Reid due to the fallout over comments. We're going to hit pause on Reid's columns to the Satchman in an email reviewed by The Wrap. As you're well aware of, support for the LGBTQ rights and respect for human dignity are core to Daily Beast. So we're taking serious, taking serious the new allegations that one of our columnists, Joy Reid, previously wrote homophobic blog posts during her stint as a radio host. Obviously, it's a difficult situation. We've all said and done things in our lives that we wish we hadn't done. We deserve the room to grow beyond our past. But these allegations are serious enough that they deserve a full examination. Here is Joy Racist Hillary Shell Reed's apology. A community that I support and that I deeply care about is hurting because of some despicable and truly offensive posts being attributed to me. Now, many of you have seen these blog posts circulating online and in social media. Many of them are homophobic, discriminatory, and outright weird and hateful. When a friend found them in December and sent them to me, I was stunned. Frankly, I couldn't imagine where they'd come from or whose voice that was. In the months since, I've spent a lot of time trying to make sense of these posts. I hired cybersecurity experts to see if somebody had manipulated my words or my former blog. And the reality is they have not been able to prove it. But here's what I know. I genuinely do not believe I wrote those hateful things because they are completely alien to me. But I can definitely understand, based on things I have tweeted and have written in the past, why some people don't believe me. I've not been exempt from being dumb or cruel or hurtful to the very people I want to advocate for. I own that. I get it. And for that, I am truly, truly sorry. I had a conversation the other day with a friend who's also an advocate in the LGBTQ community in Florida, who rightly took me to task for my tweets mocking Ann Coulter using transgender stereotypes. I apologize to my friend, and I want to apologize to the trans community and to Anne. Those tweets were wrong and horrible. 
I look back today at some of the ways I've talked casually about people and gender identity and sexual orientation, and I wonder who that even was. But the reality is that like a lot of people in this country, that person was me. I grew up in a household that, like many in America, had conservative views on LGBTQ issues. That's not an apology. Which leads me to a great article on this. The liberal media's Joy Reid problem. Now that the demand for Laura Ingram's show be strangled and the crib has failed, now that yet another attack to whack Sean Hannity off the air is gone with the wind, now comes the case of Joy Reid. Suddenly the liberal get the host guns have gone silent. Let's start with Fox headline. MSDNC's embattled star Joy Reid could be in serious trouble if she lied about hackers planting slurs. The story says in part, MSDNC star Joy Reid claims hackers responsible for homophobic slurs are recently unearthed in her pre-fame blog, but many people don't believe her story. Now the FBI is involved. Reid could be in legal trouble if her doubters are proven correct. Let's stop for a second. Does the FBI ever got involved for conservatives? I, I don't remember that, but okay. Fox senior judicial analyst Judge Andrew Napolitano said MSDNC host could be in very serious trouble if she made up the story about hackers planting the anti-gay blog post. Reed could even be charged with obstruction of justice for diverting FBI attention from real crime fighting. Despite admitting to making homophobic slurs in the past, Reed blamed hackers on Monday, blah, 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 blah. Ah, yes, the FBI, as is that troubled bureaucracy, doesn't have enough to do. Now here's where it gets interesting. As has been pointed out elsewhere over at Mediate, there is this... This from mediate Joseph Wilson. The media yawns at homophobic posts on Joy Reid's blog. Now imagine if it were Hannity. After noting all of the Hannity coverage by the media over Hannity's relationship with Trump lawyer Michael Cohn, Wilson writes, Think about how the media would react if Joy Reid's post existed on Hannity's old blog, and more importantly, if he gave the absurd explanation she has NBC, and NBC has for the existence of such posts. Hmm. It's that simple. And it just doesn't have to be Hannity. The kind of homophobic posts attributed by Joy Reaver found on old blog posts by Ingram, Tucker, Limbaugh, or any other conservative media personality of note, one can indeed imagine the reaction from the liberal media. There would be a demand for that personality's head. Their show's sponsor would be assaulted with demands to leave. On and on would go the drama until the conservative personality was finally fired outright or rendered so radioactive that the only option was to retract, retreat to the nearest bed, crawl under it, and never show their face again. But it's conservative media star on whose blog post these anti-gay rants have been discovered. It's mega-liberal Joy Reid. And full disclosure, we once were co-panelists on Bill Maher's show. She was, as required, opinionated, very left-to-center, and yes, in fact, very nice. But whether Joy Reid is nice or not, whether she is far left or even further than, than that left, the real question here is the one conservatives are forced to face all the time. Should she lose her television show for any other reason than her ratings? And I say... Yeah, yeah, she should. Her show has stuff like this. Joy Reid panelists. President Mike Pence would have all gays in concentration camps. That was this week. Mark Williams. The most troubling thing about this comment is that Joy Reid failed to call him out for making such an absurd statement. In the aftermath of her tweets making light of LGBT issues, she now is silenced when they say something stupid. This kind of hypocrisy, 
leads us right into the next NBC person, Chuck Todd, as we go into hypocrisy of the day. But I want Tucker to close this out because I, I've said too much over the last two years. It's just repetitive for me to say this is the hypocrisy we deal with in our media. Liberals can do whatever the fuck they want. They don't lose their show. But God help you if Laura Ingram goes, look at this kid whining about something, his own tweet, doesn't go in depth, then apologizes. They still try to take her down. Here's Reed talking about space-time travelers going back and fucking hacking a blog from 10 years ago. Anderson Cooper, same thing. Says it's too, the president's fucking fucking horrible. I don't remember what the exact thing was, but it was fucking inappropriate. And he got away with my... uh my assistant was at the gym and some random person picked up the phone and tweeted it. Yeah. So Tucker will close out our hate tweets and we'll go straight into hypocrisy. So an honest explanation would have been just fine and we would have defended her in that, of course. But that's not what Joy Reid did. Instead, she lied about it. She claimed she never wrote those blog posts in the first place. Someone else did. She said she'd been hacked sinister agents, perhaps employed by Vladimir Putin, somehow broke into her blog retroactively to add the remarks. It really sounds like an MSNBC segment, part of what they run every night. She said it was a disinformation campaign waged by whom? We don't know. Shadowy forces. That was her explanation. It was a crock, a total crock. And we know it was a crock because Reed's blog posts were archived by other websites, including the Library of Congress here in Washington, all the way back to 2006. That means in order for her claims to be true, which they're not, the secret hacking plot must have begun at least 12 years ago before anyone knew or cared who Joy Reid was. That's a lie. It's a childish lie. You'd have to be a moron to believe it. Yet she's telling it. Here's the interesting part, though. NBC News is endorsing all of this as true and trying to convince other people it's true. Yesterday, the network circulated a vague report by an extremely odd person called Jonathan Nichols, who says he's an independent security consultant, whatever that is, in which he affirms Joy Reid's ludicrous fantasy. Obviously, he offers no evidence. Keep in mind that NBC, which is passing this out to other news organizations, claims itself to be a news organization. And news organizations are not supposed to lie. That's rule one. And yet NBC executives make a habit of lying. They lied about the Access Hollywood tape a couple of years ago. You'll remember that tape was leaked by NBC to David Fahrenholt at the Washington Post, who was a college friend of NBC News chief Noah Oppenheim. The goal in that leak was to help Hillary Clinton just two days before a presidential debate, and it helped. NBC later promised to reveal how that tape was leaked, but of course we haven't heard because they never told us. They lied instead, and they're still lying about that. NBC also lied when it ran interference for sex attacker Harvey Weinstein, which it did repeatedly over a long period. You'll remember that network killed Ronan Farrow's investigation into Harvey Weinstein. He had the goods, and yet NBC claimed that Farrow hadn't nailed down the story. By the way, he went and sold the story the next day to The New Yorker, but NBC said it just wasn't ready yet. Another lie. Now NBC is helping Joy Reid lie once again, and almost nobody else in the media is saying anything about
Hypocrisy! Our Manu Raju is reporting um, about President Trump's re-election bid that he has announced. Do you yeah. support today President Trump for re-election in 2020? Look, I, you know, who knows whether President Trump's uh, either going to even going to run. He's I announced mean, that way. he is going to run. Well, not surely CNN is not taking for face value everything that comes out of the White House all of a sudden. But wait a second. Shouldn't <laughs> we trust the president when he says he's running for re-election? I have no idea whether the president runs for re-election, nor what the field will be on the Republican side. So I think it's way too early to, to weigh in on, on who one might support. But are you saying that you're not sure that President Trump is going to run? Oh, I, I, I'm definitely not sure he's going to run. Uh, he's raised $4 million. Well, I mean, $4 million is a speck of sand in the ocean as it relates to these kind of things, and you know that. So look... But if he, okay, but hold on a second. This is what I'm getting let me, at. Let me, just say, let me just say this. Any president that's uh, 18 months into their term or 15 or 16 or 17, whatever it is, is likely to say that they're going to run for re-election. They do not want to be viewed as a lame duck. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I take it with a grain of salt. Um, it's just another... It's just another thing going across the Internet. Okay, here's what I'm getting at. If okay. he is the nominee, will you support him? <laughs> Again, uh, if he's the nominee, you mean he, he's won the primary? If he runs for re-election, are you going okay. to support him? Well, I, I want to know who else is in the field. Um, do you know who you're going to support on the Democratic side? How, what, what makes you think <laughs> that I will support someone on the Democratic side, Senator? I don't know. Senator, the point is... So that was Senator Corker slamming that fucking Camerata skank. And you notice she even laughed because she knows he's right. What Dem candidate are you going to vote for? Hmm. Little things before we get into our two set piece. It's going to be Chuck Todd getting pointed out to be the hypocrite he is. And the White House Correspondence Dinner happened. And oh my God, it is like Tony Reid is right again. The attack on conservative women's horrible. But this stuff up front is just fucking unbelievable. ABC gushes over Comey's wife being passionate Hillary supporter. Actual statement. Stephanopoulos. Going to learn a lot more about her. I think it's one of the things she only popped up a little in the piece last night. But when you find out that his wife and daughters were all in the march the day of the inauguration... The Women's March. And she was a gigantic Hillary supporter. Kind of sums up Comey, doesn't it? Hmm. That's not hypocritical. You're, you're just in the news. Why care? So during the Sean Hannity shit, which I'm not covering because I don't have to. It was shoved down your neck if you watch any cable news, especially CNN. Chuck Todd decided to tweet this. Going to find out what kind of organization Fox is today. No serious news org would allow someone this conflicted to cover this story. And what I've talked about came to light. Red States. Anderson Cooper hosted their presidential forum was the select board of the Clinton Foundation. Journalists cover Planned Parenthood except awards from them. There are about a hundred examples you could throw out. 
Brian Seltzer just spent three weeks hobbying horsing over Sinclair, a company called an evil corporation in print. Jake Tapper hosted a town hall on gun violence, was a spokesperson for gun control group. These are also uncomfortable facts. So again, fire Hannity, do whatever. Then he said John Harwood and Glenn Thrush were both buddy buddies and John Podesta's email leaks. Both still cover the presidential campaign and both are still employed. Don't see industry freak out on them, did we? But sure. The journos who belong to super friend listeners will lecture us all about ethics and media now. And boom, the gauntlet comes out. Fox News, Breitbart, Daily Caller, Town Hall, all cover NBC News star Chuck Todd on conflicts of interest. That's my wife. That's not me. NBC News host Chuck Todd's wife has worked with or donated money to several prominent Democrats. Was NBC Chuck Todd was called out for hypocrisy regarding conflicts of interest during an appearance on WABC's Bernie and Sid radio show on Friday morning, but the Meet the Press moderator doesn't seem to think his wife's conflicts should stick to him. Todd has been vocal about his disagreement over Fox News handling mainstream media outrage over Sean Hannity's relationship with Trump attorney Michael Cohn. However, Political commentator Jeffrey Lord has chronicled conflicts of interest surrounding Todd and his wife, who's a Democratic political consultant. Radio host Sid Rosenberg and Bernie McGurk started their chat with Todd by admitting the friendship with Hannity, which resulted in the Meet the Press moderator claiming his beef was with Fox News for not forcing Hannity to explain his relationship. Just in the way that any time that I've interviewed people, somebody that my wife has professed works, I let people know. McGurk fired back. Some say you haven't done that at all the time. Todd claimed that anyone who would accuse him of not disclosing relationships didn't do the Lord proper research. It's safe to assume he was referring to Lord, who penned a story early Friday for the American Spectator pointing out Todd's potential conflicts. According to Lord, Kristen Todd, who is married to Chuck, worked with Jim Webb in 2006 Senate campaign in Virginia, though the relationship was mentioned when Webb appeared on Meet the Press. Lord also pointed out that NBC News star wife also donated to 2016 Democratic Vice President nominee Tim Kaine and that her company received millions from the Bernie Sanders campaign. Todd never felt any need to disclose this during his three recent Kaine interviews on NBC, Lord wrote. Todd has never disclosed his business relationship in 11 Sanders interviews this year. I watched them all. He never did. Rosenberg and McGurk tried to explain to Todd that he sounded like a hypocrite because of the conflicts surrounding his wife. Todd claimed that NBC was aware of the relationship while playing down their significance. That's my wife. That's not me, Todd said. I think it's a ridiculous place that we're in a society that is guilty by association. Hmm. Isn't that a dink? You make everybody guilty with the association. You agreed with the deplorable, Chucky. Todd said that his wife didn't sign up to work at NBC and they can disagree on political issues without it impacting his job performance. Todd said he doesn't control his wife's opinions, calling her an individual thinker who's free to do as she pleases. You're trying to sully me because my wife is an individual thinker in her life. McGurk pushed back by saying that critics are simply pointing out the fact when it comes to Todd's wife and conflicts. That's my wife's work does and what she does with her money is her business. Judge me on my work. NBC News did not respond to requests for comment. So to help him, and why it lumps into our hypocrisy, the New York Times gave him a column to bash Fox News. 
New York Times lets Chuck Todd throw stones at Fox News from his glass house on NBC. New York Times media reporter Michael Grinbaum and John Colblin doubled down on a hypocritical double standard on his disclosure Wednesday, criticizing Fox host commentator and Trump supporter Sean Hannity for his undisclosed blah, 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 blah. Chuck Todd throws stones on Hannity from his crystal perch and no disclosure but no punishment as Hannity gets full support from Fox. The online headline was Snarkio. Snarkio, no disclosure, no problem. Sean Hannity gets a pass at Fox News. Fox News declares full support for Hannity on Tuesday, even though the network acknowledged that his executives were caught by surprise when the conservative combinator was named as a client of a lawyer for Trump. But in the past, Mr. Hannity's run in trouble for crossing the line for commentator to activists, a Tuesday's subpoenaed reaction, subdued reaction, speaks to the new realities of Trump-era Fox News. He has offered Mr. Trump advice, prepared his sulfurous attack on the media, and dined with him at Mar-a-Lago in the White House. Like other cheerleading Fox pundits, including Jesse Waters and Gene Perrero, Mr. Hannity has been granted a presidential interview multiple times. It has been good for business. In early 2016, Hannity averaged 1.8 million viewers and was the sixth most watched show on cable. This year, he is averaging 3.2 million viewers and ranked number one on Monday, his first show since the revelation about Mr. Cohn. Hannity pulled in 3.7 million viewers, topping the NBC rival Rachel Maddow and two NBA playoff games. These numbers are the envy of the industry, even as rival hosts have increasingly mentioned Fox hardly turn. Okay, let's let's break that down for a second. Where did Obama go? Who did Obama talk to? Did we know all the linkage between Obama, Obama administration, and the news media? I would say no, unless you listen to my podcast or other conservative podcasts. You would never know that most of these people are linked. Most of his campaign team was linked. You wouldn't know Google was on Team Hillary and Team Obama unless you listen to a conservative podcast because the mainstream media doesn't care about their inappropriateness. They just care about conservative inappropriateness. Now, I've said a million times on the show, I fucking can't stand Sean Hannity. I watched Hannity and Combs because I'm more of an independent conservative leaning, but I can't stand either party. But the point of the matter is, he's not doing anything that the left hasn't done. My God in heaven, Stephanopoulos worked for Clinton. He got to interview her all the time. Hillary was on his show all the time. No conflict of interest. When he got pointed out and finally became mainstream, he did a half-ass apology that, yeah, I gave money to Clinton Foundation. I probably should have disclosed that. But you can go fuck yourself because I'm George Stephanopoulos. Yeah, that's how it went. So Chucky Todd is now mainstream. The truth about Chuck Todd is all over the place, and I wanted to let you remember, those who have been on the show a long time, you had that information about two fucking years ago. He's a hack. To other hacks, Politico, Jennifer Rubin has become a leading voice for a group of conservative intellectuals who won't, who don't fit comfortably in either political party and see the parties she left behind as immoral and anti-American. So after she did post that, guess what? WAPO has finally, after all this pressure being put down by conservatives, changed her bio. She's no longer a Republican. She's an independent. Conservative independent. So that's a win for our team, I think. Then there was this shit, so Brian Seltzer could get his panties in a twist. Ryan Strzok. 
Only 37% of Republican voters say the news media is an important part of democracy versus a majority, 51%, who say it's the enemy of the people via new Quinnipiac poll today. Brian Seltzer, what do you see in this data? I see an infection that's spreading. Peter J. Hassan, if a group of people doesn't trust you, calling them an infection might not be the best way to win over their trust. Folks, folks, of course nobody trusts the media anymore. Why would we? Why would we trust the media? All the lies, the fake news, while they're gnashing their teeth about fake news, they're putting out fake news every fucking day. I'm not even covering the doctor. That whole thing was a lie by CNN and Brian Seltzer. They just made it up. None of it's true. Secret Service proved it wasn't true. I mean, come on. Then there was this one. New York Times reporter cries sexism. I wanted to scream at every critic of Hillary. Someone needs to tell Chozik, she's the one that wrote the book, that not every woman spend their days as a governor's wife coming up with corrupt little schemes of self-enrichment from whitewater to be to the quick 100,000 gains on cattle future market. But more importantly, not every woman tolerates serial infidelity so she can run for president one day. Chosiak was upset that Hillary was so hostile to her, but it wasn't really about her. It was about Hillary's hatred of the New York Times, which broke the Whitewater story in 92. The author believes that her own coverage of Clinton was neutral to positive, with plenty of wet kisses thrown in, even declaring once that part of the campaign reporter's job is allowing yourself to be used. Yet, Chosiak acknowledged the Clinton camp- camp's enduring suspicion of the Times. Ever since that first news conference, there was an insatiable appetite for small email-related stories. I can't explain it exactly, except to compare it to a fever that spread through every newsroom and made us all sal- salivate over the tiniest morsel. Um, it's simply not true at all. MRC Research Director Rich Noyles reported that email scandal was about one-sixth of Hillary evening news coverage in the campaign, and the total is about one-fourth that amounts of the time these programs spent on Trump's controversies and scandals. But who can get convinced the wet kisses reporter? The first time Chozik, as a young reporter covering the 2008 campaign for the Wall Street Journal, attended a Clinton town hall, she briefly stood up and started clapping when the candidate walked out. What the hell are you doing? A colleague admonished, tugging at her coat. The day after the 2016 election, Chozik sat in her cubicle and wrote the How She Lost story. Then I finally cried, she writes. When she felt insecure at work, Chosiak would channel Clinton. I adopted Hillary's mood. I went around despondent and grieved, pissed off at the world and my editors and myself for not being likable enough. But that's not the Clinton she wants to remember. Chosiak concludes she wants to remember the Hillary who tried to hold it all together. Her marriage, her daughter, her career, her gender, her country. That's the lady that wrote the book. So, let me get this straight. The most popular books we've had, Game Changer, and now Chasing Hillary, or Finding Hillary, or whatever the fuck Chosik's book's called, these are all written by people who are in love with the dear leader. And that's what we call journalism nowadays. That's journalism. That's objective journalism. Really. 
Really? That that's that's what we're going with. Hmm. Okay. Got one reporter carrying a doll, a Hillary doll in her or Obama doll in her purse. And now you have another New York Times reporter who channels Hillary. Thus me canceling my New York Times digital subscription sometime spring last year. Couldn't do it anymore. To our media mash, MSDNC host frets capitalist voters will reject far-left Dems. Hmm. Jake Tapper and Ellen DeGeneres discuss life under Trump as a crazy and scary. CNO, CNN's Como accuses GOP guests of engaging in ugly politics. And we end with check out CNN's latest narcissistic Apple banana ad. Democrats, they are hopeful of the fast approaching midterms, looking to take back one or maybe both chambers of Congress. Here's my question. I ask it every day. What exactly is the party's message? A growing number of Democrats say it should not be impeaching President Trump. I completely understand the impeachment argument. I understand the point Democrats are making day in and day out about the president's conduct. But the American people want their lives better. I feel like when I hear from Democrats on a regular basis, they're just going after Trump. And I get that. There's a lot to go after. But if you want people to vote for you, you have to deliver them a better America. And what are you offering? Because you run the risk, if you push far to the left, that you're going to lose the middle. And in the middle, you have a lot of centrists who maybe traditionally voted Republican, who are disenfranchised, who don't want to support President Trump. But those people in the middle who don't want to support President Trump don't want to support people on the far left. They're capitalists. They believe in the American dream, and they want to be rich. We've never met before, so it's very nice to meet you. It's great to meet you. I have to say, I have known of you since the late 1980s. I was a big fan of a a little show called Open House. Ah, yes, Open House is one of my first shows ever. Your first big break, and I would also like to go on and confess that I had a rather large crush on you at the time, so this is a little odd for me. Oh, sorry. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> I made my peace with it some time ago. Okay, yes. There's another uh, friend of mine. We've become friends, but he was also uh, thought he was going to have uh, some kind of relationship with me, and everyone kept trying to tell him, no, you're not. And he was like, oh, no, I will. And, and then they had to explain to him that he never would. Um, <laughs> I don't think I would have ever gone that far in I terms th- of my... It was just... It was from a far, and a far... You know what it was like, though? When you became huge... I kind of resented it a little bit because I thought, no, I mean, I knew about her. Oh. Do you know what I mean? When you, you know somebody fame before they become really big and you knew them first and uh, well, I felt like I had a little, this is going to sound patriarchal, but I felt like I had a little ownership just as a fan. Right. I apologize but for what saying it, that. But it, what really it says about you is how smart you are and the, the good taste that you have that you spotted me before anybody else. So exactly it actually right. says, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, all right, so let's talk about uh, the world. Um, it, what's, so you've been doing this 20 years, right? Yeah, 20 full-time and yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then what part-time? 
I was a freelance reporter before yes, I okay. before I broke into okay. it. Okay. So. so so what's happening? I mean, have you ever seen anything like what is happening right now? No, it's crazy. Yes, and scary. Uh, it can be scary. I, I, I mean, I do have a lot of faith in American institutions and checks and balances. And the fact is, you know, the free press still thrives and we're still able to say what we want to say. And there's the judicial branch and the legislative branch. But, um, yeah, it's very odd. We've never had a president talk and act this way. Uh, we've never had a direct line from the id of a president's brain uh, out to the world, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, as we do through the Twitter machine and, and uh, President Trump. One imagines what it would have been like if, uh, if Nixon had such a thing. I guess we're lucky that we didn't have it at the time. Right. And, and the fact that he's attacking the free press, which is a very dangerous thing, and he attacks CNN, does that bother you that he attacks CNN all the time, calling it fake news? It, uh, it, it doesn't bother me. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it bothers me when he attacks the media over and over and over again, and he seems to use the term fake news almost exclusively to mean news that is true, but I don't like. Right. Um, uh, but it's, it's strange that he uses it the way he does. It, yeah, I mean, it, I think it should bother every American. Yes. But it bothers me more when he d- goes after the disabled or makes fun of somebody who has a drug and alcohol problem, as he did a few days ago. That, that's really where I just like think it crosses a line into indecent. Right. Well, I think it's crossed lines. It's, it's so many lines. There, you think, well, this can't be okay, somebody at some point, and then there's another line and another line. And it seems like he doesn't like you. I mean, obviously. I think that's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> but then also Obama didn't like you as well. I think that's also correct. Now, now the difference was that... Obama would just stare. Mm-hmm. I, he would come out into the press room and I'd be there asking an impertinent, wise-ass question and he would just give me a mean look. The president gets on the Twitter machine. Uh, now, you can argue, as you, as you almost seem to be, it's more transparent. Right. We actually have m- more of an idea of what he's actually thinking. Right. Whereas Obama would just do the disappointed glower. Yeah, right. But it's because, did you like Obama? It's not my job to like him or not like him, okay. really. I mean, he, he seemed pleasant. Yeah, he is. Um, I like him. But, um, but, but, I mean, it's because you really don't give, you, you keep pushing and you've, you ask tough questions and you don't stop. Is that something that you've always done? Yeah, I, I will say the, 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 the attribute that that is, um, that I find something that's uncomfortable in a conversation, run right to it, and then just relentlessly ask questions about it, works much, much better behind a desk at CNN than it did, for instance, at a sorority mixer in college. Huh? <laughs> when that wasn't a particularly good quality. Right, right. I was going to say, he doesn't really personally go after you because you don't have a nickname yet. Because when you have a nickname is when he's, you're really the target. I'll be honest. President Trump has a lot of uh, skills, and I used to think his branding skill was amazing. Little Marco or Lion Ted, Low Energy Jeb, Crooked Hillary. He's kind of lost his mojo on the, on the nickname front. He yeah. tried to do it with Comey, and he's been trying out all these different nicknames. He had Lion Comey. That didn't seem to work. Liar and a Leaker Comey. Slippery Comey. Slimeball. First Slimeball, two different words. <laughs> then Slimeball, one word. <laughs> Try, he's, he's clearly tr- you know, trying new material, uh-huh, as right. one does. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't really caught on. Yeah. I don't know if he's just so ensconced in the White House, he's lost his uh, his ability to do right. it. But no, he has not come up with a good nickname for me yet. Right. Flunky, I think he called me a flunky once. Oh, really? And yeah. that's it? No. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah. It was disappointing. Yeah. Sure. Come on. You need. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. 
I mean, I like the tap man, but that's not that's an a insult. Good one. I know. Yeah. You called yourself the tap man. A huge week. So, why spend his energy that way? Let's discuss this and other important topics for you with Republican Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, co-founded the Freedom Caucus, serves on the House Judiciary Committee. Always a pleasure. Good to see you. Good to see you. So, what do you say He's about frustrated. this use of energy? He's frustrated. Um, and it is a big week, you're right. But, I mean, think about it. It's been a year now. There's no evidence of any type of coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia. There's all kinds of evidence that the Clinton campaign worked with the dossier, put together the dossier, worked with Christopher Steele, worked with Fusion. That was used in, in, in the FISA court. And then he gets his uh, personal lawyer's door kicked in. Um, so there's frustration. And you can't blame the president for... Um, I think, for speaking out against this stuff. Uh, a lot of Americans are frustrated as well. I will let the bait of the FISA court and all that stuff drift away because it is irrelevant <laughs> to the president's own personal fate. If you were giving someone counsel on how I to deal... I don't know that it's irrelevant, but... but well, we'll it it certainly has nothing to do with, with what is happening to him. You may say that, well, that should also get attention, but it doesn't change the math of what he's facing and how he's handling with it. That's all, all right, I'm okay, saying. All right, well, so, I disagree, but... Okay, well... Tell me how I'm wrong about well, I mean, how am I wrong that they, speculation they, about the Democrats and the dossier they didn't is tell irrelevant the court, to what the president is well, doing. Well, remember, this is all part of this whole investigation, which is to date shown no no type of any uh, coordination between. It's not over. Well, it's I mean, not over. I know, but it's been a, it's been a and year. People caught up in but doing they bad things. A, they, they went to the court with this dossier and didn't tell the court two things. Didn't tell the court who paid for it. Not true. Uh, read, read the, read the bullet point on that. Read the, uh, the, the footnote on that. It's the most convoluted thing you've ever seen trying to figure out what they said. Candidate A, candidate B, campaign one, campaign. You can't figure they it disclosed out. It. Second, they didn't disclose another important thing that namely the author of the dossier, Christopher Steele, had the relationship with the FBI terminated because why? He went and leaked to the press. So but those that doesn't are, change those are the nature of his information. But we now know from Comey that the, parts of the dossier had been corroborated. You guys always call it. Well, Trump someone went to Russia at, at some point in the past. That if that's corroboration of the entire document, that's that's a little. Frenzy. No one said the entire document. Not it's that close. certain things. But when you were go to a FISA court, you go to any court. Regular Americans have to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. They didn't do that. The That's FBI went there. And think about this: the, the top people, the top people at the FBI, Chris, the top people. Comey's been fired. McCabe's been fired by the president. Maybe going to be prosecuted, right? He's had a criminal referral. Jim Baker's been demoted, reassigned. Peter Strzok's been demoted, reassigned. Lisa Page's been demoted. Right. These are the top people. There were problems at the top of the FBI when they did this whole thing in front of the fight. This is a handful of people. You guys used it, certainly the Republicans, the people who had always stood up uh, for law enforcement when they were getting criticized often fairly by people like me in the media. Um, But you stood up for them, but no more. Lisa Page and Strzok got thrown out in part by Mueller because they were being inappropriate. Uh, You guys used it as a trampoline for this nonsense about a secret society and that they were out to get Trump and had an agenda. One of your boys did. I didn't say it. One of your boys did, and you didn't come out and say, she shouldn't be saying this. This is no, crazy talk. They shouldn't have been saying the things they were saying, like the president shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be president. He should have lost a hundred. And you don't think zero. that every government agency but, is but, filled with lefties and righties? We assume that they put that away here. when they do their job. And the idea that the Chris, FBI sets a little up different as a lefty a organization, Jim. Peter Strzok. The FBI is a lefty account- organization. I'm not saying that. I'm saying no, Peter Strzok, not. deputy head of counterintelligence, who ran the Clinton investigation, and he got thrown out by Mueller, a lifelong Republican who's running the probe. He to be demoted and reassigned, and he still has. Clearance at the fine, FBI right fine, now. Fine, but let's also look at what was done. See, because here's my concern. All right, uh, you're a man of goodwill, but when you put a presentation of why this is happening, that is not in line with the facts and to jaundice 
uh, the view of this being a fair probe, got to push back. Yeah. McCabe, did he lie? They say yes. In the IG report, they made a referral for him to be prosecuted. They say he lied four but, times. But about what did he lie? The same thing Michael Flynn did. What? No Michael. way. No he way. Lied, he lied to the FBI. No, no, no. no I'm not saying said, what Michael he Flynn. did. I'm saying what did he lie about? This is what I don't get about you guys. McCabe lied. Allegedly, right? We for got a personal gain to, about what? to the Wall Street Journal. About what? About the Clinton Foundation And saying that he wanted to go after it and is concerned that the DOJ yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. But so then, what are you criticizing that for? The, the, but the, He's the going statute, after exactly what you wanted him to. No, no, but the statute is real clear. You can't lie to the FBI. He did it four times, three times under oath. I know, but what I'm Equal saying is you guys are so selective in your outrage. You want to go after McCabe. McCabe was trying to push to investigate Clinton, Chris, I did, which I is what you say you wanted. I, I didn't say that. I said the uh, OPR, Office of Professional Responsibility, his colleagues, Michael right. Horowitz, they're the ones who said he should be prosecuted. They're the ones who said but he What might. I'm saying is the substance of it matters, what it was about. To frame McCabe as a about, bad guy because he got caught it was about leaking. With Andy McCabe, personal, uh, yeah. personal interest yeah. above public interest, personal interest above the interest of the FBI. But he went out and leaked. You're and being you know what selective about it. Because let me tell you something. The day when you after, had Devin Nunes, when you had your friend uh, Mr. Kobach going out and doing all kinds of manipulation and deception to the American people, you weren't outraged, right? You weren't outraged about their behavior then. Why? Because you were okay with the behavior. Here, you don't I like McCabe, two things. so you go after him even two though he things. was fighting to do what you want him to That's do. That's not accurate. That's ugly two, politics, Jim. Two things. Ugly politics. McCabe, the day after the leak happens and Barrett writes a story in the Wall Street Journal, he gets on the phone and criticizes two other people in the FBI who had nothing to do with it in an effort to cover his tracks. If that's not scheming and low, I don't know what is. Second, I call him I call him like I see him. I criticized Comey in July of 2016 mm -hmm. when he came out with his big press conference. Fair and criticism. I criticized him again in October. Fair criticism. I took heat from Republicans because I think James Comey has been wrong right. throughout this entire That's process, fine. But including the, today with his big But the president fired him. That's why you have a special counsel. And he did it because of his dissatisfaction with the Russia probe. I know he's changed his story on that, but you also know that that's you know who disingenuous. Wrote the memo to fire him? The guy you guys... Rosenstein. Rosenstein yeah. wrote the memo. Trump's and, guy. Yeah, no, no, Trump's guy. The, the, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Trump's guy. Trump's guy. Trump's guy. I'm not yeah. saying whose guy is. I'm just saying <laughs> no, he wrote the memo it doesn't to work fire for you. I know I'm saying he wrote the memo to fire him, which is, this is, this is the... The classic definition of the swamp, and this is what drives Americans crazy. You're being Rose a little swampy with this one, though. Rosenstein writes the memo to fire Comey. Yeah. Comey leaks another memo to to the uh, uh, New York Times right. to create momentum for a special right. counsel. Rosenstein hires that special counsel and oversees him. And what's one of the things, of what's one of the things they're looking at? Whether there was obstruction of justice in the firing of Comey. The if president, that's not the biggest roundabout and no, crazy the, scheme the, the I've ever. The president seen. fired Comey. That's what triggered this. Let me ask you a political uh, procedure question. Speaker's going to be open. Does Jim Jordan want to throw on a jacket and go for Speaker of the House or no? I don't know if I want to throw on a jacket. Look, uh, Paul's the Speaker. He said he's going to stay there for the rest of this uh, Congress, which I think is a good thing. And then? And then uh, I've been encouraged by colleagues to look at that. I and know. I, and I, will I will seriously do that. Um, but I think more important, I said this on the floor of the House a couple weeks ago, more important than who the Speaker is next year is what Republicans do this year. And if we don't get focused on what we told the American people we were going to do, there may not be a race for the word there is may that be a race for minority leaders. So let's get focused on what we can what we're supposed to do. And if we do that, I think we'll be in the majority. The word is we'll that nobody wants to do anything ambitious between now and the midterms. That's I'm why you guys well, all fought for I'm pork for well in this last spending bill. Yeah, I didn't fight for it. I, I opposed that bill. That bill was terrible. Biggest um, deficits we've seen in a long time and under your party stewardship. And the, and the process was terrible as well. We got 15 hours to look at a 2,232 page bill. We had one hour to debate it on the floor. We spent money on things we said we wouldn't. 
We didn't fund things we said we would. That's the kind of stuff that has to change in the future if we're going to stay in the majority and do the things the American people elected us to do. Sounds like a compelling speech to be speaker. So your hat is going to be in the ring. I'm going to look at it very seriously. Why can't you just say yes? Because there's no You're race a wrestler. Right there's no Grab race it right and now. throw it on the ground and say, yes, I'm going to go for it. We'll see what happens. When the race opens up, I'll expect you to be we'll in be it. on your show, bro. And we look forward to having you on to make the case of the American people. Thank you. Be well, Jim Jordan. Thank Allison. You. you almost had him in a half Cuomo there. He would twist me up like an, <laughs> pretzel. Like a, like an overstuffed pretzel. <laughs> oh, great to have you here. Thank Thanks you. so much. All right. So there This is a whole bunch of bananas. Somewhere buried within it is an apple. Some people might try to tell you that there's no point in looking for it. But there's only one way to know what's been covered up. You start digging. We get the White House Correspondents' Dinner. That's why I had the CNN bullshit at the end of our media mash. This is actually a Chiron. Trump skips event honoring First Amendment to rally his base. Yeah. That's that's what what they they went with. During it, Kelly Conway and Ivanka Trump were targeted. Targeting Kelly Conway, Wolf, and we're about to play what she said about Sarah Sanders, who was present. Man, she has a personal, perfect last name for what she does. Conway. Ivanka Trump didn't escape Wolf's gaze either. She was supposed to be an advocate for women, but it turns out she's about as helpful to a woman as an empty box of tampons. Before I play it, I'm just going to read one tweet. I got a bunch. This is from Brian Seltzer. Reliable sources. Supposed to be calling out the media. Nothing about what Michelle Wolf did on Saturday night was easy. It was hard, harder even than the truth telling that Stephen Colbert did to President George Bush's face in a 2006 dinner. Now, there's going to be two angles on this. Angle one is how Women are treated if you're conservative. I'm going to play it with this soundbite, and it is Kellyanne Conway a year ago saying that it's okay to dog conservative women on Meet the Press. Chuck Todd disagreed with her because he's a fucking hack. And the other angle is the fact that I only remember gnashing horrible statements, disrespect, inappropriate to the office of the President of the United States, which is always what they say, liberals. To conservatives. Nobody got up there to Obama and talked about Fast and Furious, Benghazi. They dogged Trump because he was in the room. This is why the White House Correspondents Dinner isn't to me the nerd prom. It is the liberal prom. This is just for liberals. You want to know why there's no trust in the media you just white, watch the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and it's like something for the Democratic National Committee. But back to the point. This is what liberals think is okay conduct in the Me Too era. 
I think it's a great thing to have people that have been successful come in and put some of their success in the private sector into the public sector. Instead of attacking Ivanka and Jared, we should be celebrating the fact that they're there. Look, Democrats love to talk about the war on women. The only war on women that I see is the one that's being waged against every woman and every female that is close to this president. They constantly want to talk about women's empowerment, and they have somebody that is the biggest advocate for that sitting next to the president who he listens to. They should be championing her more than anybody else. She's and I think great. it's a sad misstep by them not to do so. We are graced with Sarah's presence tonight. I have to say I'm a little starstruck. I love you as Aunt Lydia on The Handmaid's Tale. Because if you haven't seen it, you would love it. steps up to the podium, I get excited because I'm not really sure what we're going to get. You know, a press briefing, a bunch of lies, or divided into softballs. <laughs> it's shirts and skins, and this time don't be such a little bitch, Jim Acosta. <laughs> I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like, she burns facts. And then she uses that to create a perfect smoky eye. <laughs> like, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. <laughs> and I'm never really sure what to call Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know, is it Sarah Sanders? Is it Sarah Huckabee Sanders? Is it Cousin Huckabee? Is it Auntie Huckabee? Like, what's Uncle Tom but for women who disappoint other white women? Attacking someone's appearance is misogynistic, isn't it? I thought that was inappropriate. Vulture did it this way. Neither of these jokes are about Sanders' appearance. The first one suggests like a character Ann Dowd played on the Hulu series based on Margaret Atwood's dystopian novel. Sanders acts as a complicit oppressor on behalf of the authoritarian government. The other joke riffs on a Maybelline slogan to highlight the fact that Sanders lies to the American people on a regular basis on behalf of her boss. You can be offended by either of these insinuations, but at least be offended by what Wolf actually insinuated pass it's okay christopher cox wow seltzer you have finally sunk low enough to defend the indefensible only a bunch of brain dead liberals could get their panties in a bunch because the president of the united states decided to spend an evening with the people instead of the sick pathetic liberal msm trash norse thunder it is real hard to stand up and deliver jokes to a fawning audience so so brave so so brave I wonder where she found the courage to stand in front of a room of full-on supporters knowing they would write hagalifries, hagiographies, I don't even know what that word is, of her the next day. She's a real profile in courage. SM, Scotty McMahon, 22. The courage it takes to bash a Republican president is breathtaking. Stephen Miller, the network who blackmailed a person for making a gif has a Chiron calling the White House Correspondents' Dinner a First Amendment event. Fit my hat. Dear White House Correspondents' Dinner, I know the First Amendment. The First Amendment is a friend of mine. You're, you are not an event honoring the First Amendment. 
Jameson. I imagine 70% of the people in the room celebrating the First Amendment saw no problem with the Obama administration trying to force nuns to pay for IUDs. Steve Patterson. CNN has nine correspondents discussing the correspondence dinner. One more and they'll need tiered seating. So then Shannon Watts gets mad at Mika Brzezinski and Maggie Haberman, who are the only two of all people, Mika Brzezinski, wow. Sorry, I need to get a drink. Actually fought back and said, hey, this is too far. She was in the room. She's a woman. Shannon Watts. This is fake news spread by Maggie Haberman. Michelle Wolf said Sarah Sander burns facts and uses the ashes to create a perfect smoky eyes. That's hardly an ad hominem attack. Really? Mika Brzezinski. Watching a wife and mother be humiliated on national television for her looks is deplorable. I've experienced insults about my appearance from the president. All women have a duty to unite when these attacks happen. And the White House Correspondents Association owns Sarah an apology. Maggie Haberman, the press secretary, sat and absorbed intense criticism of her physical appearance, her job performance, and so forth. Instead of walking out on national television, I was impressed. The Maggie or Michelle Wolf bitch, some liberal fucking racist. Why are you guys making this about Sarah's looks? I said she burns facts and uses ash to create a perfect smoky eye. I complimented her eye makeup and her ingenuine attitude, or I don't even know what the fuck she was trying to say. Jerry Dunleavy, here's my problem with Michelle Wolf and her defenders. They won't even admit that the jokes mocked her looks. Calling her Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale, a lesbian softball coach reference mocking her makeup. Defend the jokes, but don't be a coward and gaslight me. My, Meg Kennard, if the White House Correspondents did or did anything tonight, it made the chasm between journalism and those who don't trust us even wider. And those of us based in the red states who work hard every day to prove our objectivity will have to deal with it. Kyle Cheney, Michelle Wolf didn't fail just because she was spectacularly one-sided. It was because she was unnecessarily cruel on a night that the correspondence dinner was trying to showcase decency and purpose. Undermined an otherwise meaningful night. Guy Benson. Some good lines. And I'm very willing to laugh at brutal jokes. I did. Some of the personal attacks on Sanders was unfunny and would never, ever be told about a Democrat in her position. Also, if you're going to make abortion jokes, make them close to funny, not gross. Mike Saranovich, the crowd of journalists laughed at every joke. Don't take to Twitter now and act like the entire room wasn't enjoying that nasty and vile display. Nolte, North Carolina. Yesterday was one of the worst days the MSM will ever have. Damage is permanent. One, the cruel comedian at the correspondence dinner. Two, protecting homophobic liar Joy Reid. Three, Dismissing alleged victims of Tom Brokaw because he's Tom Brokaw. Our media is shit. Jimmy Kimmel. Dear the media, Michelle Wolf was funny. Hire a juggler next year. Add your name. If I called you a fat, stupid, cross-eyed, hypocritical fuck, which is actually my honest opinion of you, while I have you in a room of full of people who hate you, would you find that hilarious? 
I've no doubt a lot of people would, but does that mean I should do it? You're a jerk. When pressed finally, the president of this association said, go fuck yourself. The liberal media was in damage control mode on Sunday at the disgusting comedic performance by Wolf at the White House dinner fell so flat with the public that it left many journalists backpedaling themselves. It was the first topic of discussion on reliable sources and host Brian Seltzer questioned White House Correspondents Association President Margaret Tlaib about Wolf's act. And when asked, Tlaib refused to say whether or not she thought the joke crossed the line. Seltzer began by wondering if Tlaib had any regrets about the previous evening. Tlaib opined about how the event was supposed to be about unity, the spirit of journalism and appreciating the administration. But she had only one regret. Those 15 minutes are now defining four hours of what was really wonderful unifying night. And I don't want that, want the cause of unity to be undercut. You're saying the celebration of the First Amendment was overshadowed by Wolf's Ronsi jokes? Seltzer asked to leave. She made excuses. The entertaining is a comedian and has been the case for most of the last 30 years or so. They are often controversial. They are often, you know, to some extent, polarizing, or at least provocative, she argued. But that's completely ignoring the fact that Wolf joked about dropping a tree on Kellyanne Conway and about killing babies. When Seltzer finally got around to asking his guest about if she thought Wolf had crossed the line, Tlaib wouldn't get give a straight answer. I think what she brought to the night, what she thought was important to say in her goal, may not have been press unity, and everyone rallying around the room to support journalism. She lamented. As you can tell by the way I'm reading this, I'm not even surprised. I don't like Sarah Sanders, but she said it a year ago. This is normal business. This is how they act. It's okay to dog conservative women. It's okay to be evil towards conservatives. And everyone in that room laughed. That's all you need to know. Those are the people covering the news. Those are the people that every night are supposed to tell us the truth. And they're all liberals. This is why 97% of the media is liberal. 97% of the media live in liberal states. High counties with huge Hillary votes. We, we covered it on the show. It's near impossible on any network, including Fox, to find somebody who doesn't vote for Democrats. Our media has been taken over by Democrats because that's what they do. It's Saul Alinsky. You own everything. They own the media, the fucking institutions of learning from high school, grade school, kinder fucking garden to college. They own the airwaves. They own Hollywood. They just shove their shit. It's all brainwashing. Think our way. And for those who dare, like me, and probably most of the people listening to this show, you're now deplorable. We now demean you because you will not bend to them. You must think like them. You must be socialist, not capitalist. You must kill babies. It doesn't surprise me. This is who they are. But there were some brief glimpses this weekend of reality 
John Carl of all people, and Ed Henry. General, let, let's come back home for a second. We, we mentioned at, at the top of the show that we saw you at the White House Correspondents' Dinner last night, sitting right next to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who endured some pretty scathing criticism from the comedian Michelle Wolf uh, about her looks, her job performance. Uh, how uncomfortable was it being in the room? And is there a way in which this whole situation could, could ultimately uh, redound to, to Sanders' benefit? Well, I, I've been to a lot of these. I know you have too, Dan. And uh, there was a lot that was good at the dinner, celebration of the First Amendment, some uh, journalism awards, scholarships. I, I think that the comedian crossed the line. <laughs> and th this went from uh, poking fun to being mean-spirited. It was very uncomfortable. I think that Sarah Sanders uh, handled herself uh, very well, uh, considering what was, what was coming her way. And I think that most people in that room... Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable with the direction of, of the jokes, no question at all. And, and certainly the only thing it will do is, is uh, uh, you know, results probably more goodwill for Sarah Sanders because nobody uh, should have to sit through that. Yeah, a lot of people are giving her credit this morning for not getting up and walking out. The dinner comedy is always supposed to be a roast, and as you'd expect, there's divided reaction about how it played. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was there representing the president, just a couple of feet from the comedian, whose jokes included punchlines about her appearance and repeated jabs calling her a liar. Willie? Yeah, the personal stuff on Sarah too much and plays right into the president's argument on stage in Michigan last night. Kelly O'Donnell at the White House. Thanks so much, Kelly. And we were both there at the dinner. Yeah. I've never seen a performance like that. Uh, she was not only nasty, but she was dropping F-bombs on live television carried by yeah. CNN and MSNBC. What's your take as someone who's well, gone through this process? Even worse, she was joking about abortion. I won't even repeat the jokes. They were so vile. Uh, bottom line is, I understand Margaret Taleb uh, as president. I respect her. It's a tough job. You're up there. Uh, you pick the comedian. And there is a First Amendment in this country, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're going to say, First Amendment protects stupid and vile things as well. Uh, however, uh, I think it's long past time, uh, here we are, you know, hours later, for the association to put out a simple one-sentence statement say, we do not agree with this. Uh, these personal, vile attacks on Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is a good person, uh, dare I say that if Hillary Clinton had been elected and Jennifer Paul Mary were up there and got all these personal attacks yeah. about your appearance, and I won't even add and right, I don't even want to play it. ridiculous. I don't right? even want to play it. And so the, the association should apologize. Period. Stop. Okay. I agree with you on that. You know who agrees with you is um, Andrew Mitchell, who just tweeted apologies owed to Press Sec, uh, Sarah Sanders, and others. We gross, invited her in. Grossly insulted by Michelle Wolf. Uh, comedian was the worst since I was insulted. Clinton. We invited her yeah. to dinner. We should have treated her with respect. I don't need to say anything beyond that. Treat right. Her with it respect. can't sustain on the whole event. I mean, whatever nice they were talking about there. the First Amendment and yeah. valuable things. It's too far, but it's. Status quo. To our stats of the day without a bumper, BET founder says Trump's economy helping blacks. Washington Post prints it nine days later. Back page. Not important. Pennsylvania House passes bill banning abortions on babies with Down syndrome. That's a blue state, too. Go figure that shit out. Planned Parenthood ghoul, still the president. There's no specific moment life begins. This whole interview is just bashing conservatives with their Christianity. Go fuck them. As of 4.30, that's yesterday, 1000 hours yesterday, there have been 306,220 abortions in America. It's fucking May. So keep on killing them babies. Good for you.
MSDNC host mourns NRA's record fundraising despite anti-gun activism. <clears throat> Al Valeshi, who lied and said he was, but he's not. The gun lobby raised 2.4 million in March, the highest in 15 years. Nearly 2 million of the sec- of that came from small donors. So your March for Your Lives did exactly what it was going to do if you really would have thought it out. It's just going to make people, normal people, fucking give money. <clears throat> Democratic Representative Nadler, social media censorship of conservative is a hoax. Very big right now. Very, very big. It's everywhere. It is all over the place. The left is spinning hard because conservatives did the right thing and held hearings about how bad it is on social media for conservatives. And then more from Chasing Hillary book, reveal F-word tirade during mock debate. Clinton reportedly cried, you are authentic, here it is, followed by a fuck face, fuck lace fuselage, I'm sorry, about what a disgusting human being Trump was and how he didn't deserve even to be in the arena. Behind his back, Robbie did a bill impersonation, and let me tell you another thing about the white working class, waving a finger in a glutonian motion. Hillary arrived at a victory rally at Drake University a couple hours late wearing red, stood on a folding chair in the back of the room, and marveled at how good the entire Clinton family had become at smoldering and honest emotional reaction. Hillary drew into some deep reserve of fakery and willed herself into looking happy, as if trying hard would make it so. This this book, I, I want to read it. I just want to read it just so I can hear all the truths. The lady was horrible for America. And every time one of these books, Chosiak has only proven she's a fucking shill. She loved Hillary. Every time it's printed, I just go, God, thank you for not letting her win. So we're going to go to music break, old music, jars of clay. I haven't heard this forever. And then we're going to go into news, social, media, nuggets. Rain, rain on my face. Hasn't stopped raining for days. My world is a flood. Slowly I become one with the mud. But if I can't swim after 40 days in my mind is crushed by the crashing waves of fear So high that I cannot fall, lift me up, lift me up When I'm falling, lift me up, we can die
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. This, this, is, this is something, man. This is, this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Back in my day, we shot with iron sights. Unlike these pussy millennials who fight in the longest war in American history who shoot better than we did. Back in my day, we had to iron our camis because we appreciated mundane tasks that took away from training. Back in my day, we used to beat the shit out of the new guys for no reason because creating clinical Stockholm Syndrome in a 19-year-old is the best way to mold a war fighter. Back in my day, we were trained for real war against tanks, Soviet tanks. We never actually fought the war, but we were trained. Back in my day, we never ducked colors, ever. We made love to the flag. We touched the flag. We kissed it. We let the flag know that we loved it. Back in my day, if Clinton would have actually done something and taken us to war, bet you I could have taken out Osama bin Laden, thrown a grenade right over that mountain over there and killed him. I had my own book deal. Peter Burr would make a movie about me. In our military corner, that is a skit from, um, where the hell did I get that? Task and Purpose, but it's the guy from Ranger Up. He was in the movie, uh, Range 16, which is pretty fucking funny. And it's a shtick about older veterans and how much of shitheads they are and losers and all that stuff. But he doesn't realize he's an older veteran now. He's old. He's not a retiree. He served the Marines, but yeah, you're old. This one was exciting news, and it sounds weird to say that, but... As those that followed the show, I fought in Operation Anaconda and OEF-1. 
<clears throat> and if those have read books or even the book that um, I've read on air, uh, Not a Good Day to Die, John Chapman, tech sergeant and air controller, John Chapman, uh, did some heroic shit on Roberts Ridge. It appears that he wasn't dead. They thought he was dead. The SEAL team bailed. And he stayed up there and fired and killed a bunch of guys. And then he ended up getting killed himself. Um, um, he is going to be posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor. Chapman would be the first airman to receive a Medal of Honor, the nation's highest award for valor for action since the Vietnam War. Chapman originally received an Air Force Cross, the second highest valor award an airman could receive for his heroism during a March 4, 2002 battle against the Al-Qaeda fighters. But newly enhanced video from the Predator drone, which we showed on the show, <clears throat> showed more evidence that Chapman was not dead, but instead unconscious when the team of Navy SEALs withdrew from the battle under withering fire. And they've now decided to retroactively go back, give him the award that he deserved. And we played that on the air. Um, Sean Naylor released this in the New York Times. And, you know, I talked about it because I couldn't play it. It was just a Predator drone feed. And I remember watching that feed. Um, we got to watch it in, uh, shit, where the hell were we? Jalalabad, someplace. When we were guarding stuff, we got to do that. Um, Anyway, let's go into our college crazy. Professor called racist for trying not to be racist. An anonymous student at Pomona College posted public service announcement posters around campus accusing a faculty member of racism for asking students not to use songs with the word nigga for an upcoming theater production. So, that's now racist in college. And that's our theme for this entire thing. Michigan State students, their government shoots down American flag proposal. Isn't that interesting? You know, um, MSU student government recently rejected a resolution to install flagpoles with the American and Spartan flags in residential areas of campus. Although a survey of MSU students revealed broad support for the idea, some student senators expressed concerns that the American flag is not inclusive enough, suggesting additional flags for the national LGBT Antifa. The poll said 67.3% of respondents said they have a positive or very positive perception of the American flag, and 59.6% agreeing that the flag represented all people in America. Similarly, when asked the value of the U.S. flag, 72.1% said the flag is important, or very important. But despite that, the government said, fucking shut your mouth, and for the 9-2 vote, they said no. It kind of sounds like a Democratic House and Senate. American people say they don't want gay marriage. Liberals say you're fucking homophobes. Here's your gay marriage. Hmm. Not surprising. Kent State asks, is Christianity the white man's religion? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what they said. Uh, KSU hosted an event Tuesday titled, Is Christianity the White Man's Religion? Panelists argue that Christianity is, in fact, a white man's religion saying the settlers and colonialists turned Christianity into an oppressive ideology. Kent State has asserted that they did not sponsor this event, 
nor did it authorize the use of the logo, but nobody's going to get in trouble for it. From the article, one of the speakers, the first gentleman to speak, stated his concern for young individuals on the streets being pulled away from Christianity, which he said has led to gender, general whitewashing of Christianity. Another gentleman echoed this concern for whitewashing, stating that Christian Christianity originated in Africa and Europeans merely took it and made it their own. The gentleman ended his statement by asking, who benefits from the billions of dollars from Christianity? Is it the white people in the businesses or is it black people? In similar news, it's supposed to be later in the podcast, the Democratic National Committee is going to have slave reparations as part as their platform. Yeah, that's how low they're peddling now. They're peddling, they're just peddling down to the lowest common denominator. That everybody who had nothing to do with slavery needs to pay for people who have nothing to do with slavery, but maybe somewhere down the line somebody was a slave somewhere in the world, so fuck it. Black people, here's some money. Okay. Uh, that makes no fucking sense, but okay. Next one, workshop trains students to support women during abortions. A pro-choice group recently hosted a spring abortion doula training the University of Massachusetts Amherst to teach students and faculty members strategies for providing emotional support to women as they undergo abortions. A doula traditionally refers to someone who provides non-medical support during childbirth, but the organizers of the event use it as a reference to providing such assistance to people having abortions because it's not fair for people having babies to have support and people not having babies to support because if you believe that, you're a racist or sexist. Some ist. Students blast pale face in pro-life movement. Another reason to hate people that don't want babies killed. Got it. A member of the pro-abortion club at the University of Minnesota Duluth condemned the pale faces of pro-life movement during an open mic event. The student also framed the pro-life movement as one that upholds white supremacy and urged attendees to rise up and rip white supremacy from its roots. So being pro-life is now racist. Well, considering that I played on the show that milk is racist, well, somehow that makes fucking sense. College Republicans email list used to identify the racist. A recent graduate and former student employee of University of Wisconsin, Stephen Points, recently posted a list of all the students on the college Republican email list on social media to help identify the racist. When challenged... Erwin Palmer retorted that others have no business telling him how to treat Republican supporters because he is a target for multiple forms of violence and oppression fueled by the Republican Party. This is one of his tweets. Hmm, on the bright side, UWSP has its own way to easily identify the races at school. On the downside, the races at US, UWSP get to easily find each other. These people are fucking weird. Trans activist and science writer Zena Jones seems very angry, especially when it comes to the white working class. Zena Jones looks like a girl, but it's a dude. Fuck the white working class. Somebody responds, you're white, bro. <laughs> In cultural appropriation news, the whites are at it again. Girl in Chinese prom dress triggers SJW Twitter storm. 
Stop stealing my ethnicity. Is the lead tweet, and I didn't copy anymore. Just because you wore a dress made in China. Hey, guess what? Almost everything we wear is made in China, folks. So am I culturally appropriating because I'm wearing a pair of... Well, I guess I'm wearing duck shorts today. Universal Oregon shorts made in China. I just culturally appropriated. Okay. That agenda group, the Gay Mafia... At an award show, GLAAD Awards salute networks for their help in pushing gay agenda. For the past week, GLAAD has been in the process of awarding certain sections of the media for being particularly empathetic to LBGTQ, EIEO, Cosign of Four issues during the last last year. As far as nominations for journalism go, it turns out the GLAAD Media Award is indebted to major media networks such as all of them, CBS, ABC, and NBC. Hosted by lesbian Wanda Sykes in Beverly Hills on April 12th, the presentation's main theme was an aggressive call for unity among all members of the LGBTQ, EIEO, Cosign of Four community. That they remain steadfast and defiant in a world that see they see as trying to erase them. Mm-hmm. Just erase them. Glad leader Sarah Kate Ellis addressed the audience, demanding that LGBTQ cosign of four community push for 100% representation in American culture. In response to major hits against the gay community, which Ellis mentions is the very visible transgender military ban, removing us from the 2020 census, we must double down and raise our voices and share our stories to do what we best we do best in the room, which is change culture and accelerate acceptance. See, I'm against the census ban, which is not a ban, there's just not a category for trans people. I wish they would, because then we'd show how outlandish this whole thing is. All right, so they move on. Uh, four out of five GLAAD Media Award nominations for Outstanding TV and Journalism recognized ABC, NBC, CBS, Good Morning America, DJ Zeke Thomas Goes Public, a story about the sexual assault of an openly gay African-American music producer, NBC News story, Murder Rise, Raise Alarm for Transgender Community, CBS TV News, Transgender Murders in Louisiana, part of Disturbing Trend, MSDNC's AM Joy received a nomination as well with their segment Transgender Rights Under Fire in the Trump Era, Three out of five nominations for Outstanding TV Journalism News Magazine went to Major Network's 2020, A Boy Named Lucas, ABC Nightline, Gay Purge, Anderson Cooper was nominated for the Pulse of Orlando Terror on a Nightclub. Uh, nominations also were given to The View, CBS Survivor Game Changer, because they had a gay person in it. Mm, that's an outstanding reality program. NBC The Voice, do they have gay people on it? Maybe that's why they get on the show, because they really all can't sing that well. NBC This Is Us won the GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding Drama Series. Out of listed nominees include CBS Doubt, Fox Star, and CBS All Access Star Trek Discovery. Sarah Kate Ellis appealed to the GLAAD Award audience, claiming they, conservatives, of course, are erasing us. They're weaponizing religion, and they're vigorously rolling back our rights. No, they're not. All I did is say you can't be a transgender person and serve the military because you don't know who the fuck you are. How the fuck can you fight a war? I really want you to answer that question. I've asked online, no gay people answer. They just call me homophobe. Or transphobe. Or a phobe phobe. NBC high school drama features first gay teen kiss and plans to run shit about abortion. Well, isn't that nice? Yeah, that's that's really important. And then this article, which surprised the shit out of me, really, to be quite honest, because this, this takes balls. 
Rob Schneider, leftist politics are ruining SNL. After taking the red pill several years ago and departing the Democratic Party, SNL alum Rob Schneider is waging a war on political correctness, and he is none too pleased the way his former stomping ground has become a mouthpiece for left-wing politics through the Trump administration. Speaking with the New York Daily News, Schneider said that SNL made a mistake by deciding to show its political hand so broadly, which was a departure from when he started in the early 90s alongside the, gr- the giants of the show, when the show was good. The fun of SNL was always you never knew which way they leaned politically. You could have assumed they would lean more left and liberal, but now the cat's out of the bag. They're completely against Trump, which I think makes it less interesting because you know the direction the piece is going. Schneider took aim at Alec Baldwin's current portrayal of Trump in comparison to his former co-host Dana Carvey. Carvey played it respectful. To me, the genius of Dana Carvey was Dana always had empathy for the people he played, and Alec Baldwin has nothing but fuming, seething anger towards the person he plays. For that reason, Schneider says Baldwin is hard to watch because his motives are just too obvious. Alec is a brilliant actor. He's not a comedian, Schneider shared. I don't find his impression to be comical because, like I said, I know the way his politics lean and it spoils any surprise. There's no possible surprise. He clearly hates the man he's playing. Let's spot the fuck on. Schneider lived as a Democrat for most of his life until experiencing a political awakening in 2014. He now describes himself as an independent and bashes both liberal PC culture and Republicans. Literally, if you don't go the party line, you're out. There's a real ugliness to it. The former SNL alum did not reveal whether or not he supports Trump, but does feel the endless mockery of him only makes things worse. Nothing good could come from making Trump nervous. Schneider continues, it's like asking Bill Cosby to top off your drink. (laughs) That's pretty funny. One of his tweets, UC Berkeley, after you're done eliminating speech you don't like and words you don't like, what's next? Maybe add burning books to the curriculum? That's refreshing. That's very refreshing. And our last crazy stupid shit, so we get some weird crime, Alyssa Nutting. Liberals in 2018 are so into this. My my daughter does it. I, I've seen her talk about shit on Facebook and social media over the last forever years about how they say stuff. But, I, you know, I no, I, my kids didn't talk about shit like this because my kids talked about Teletubbies or fucking Barney. They, didn't, they weren't political. My daughter started crying at the dentist office because the dentist is a boy. And the dentist says, sorry, there are no girl dentists at the office. And my daughter looked at me and said, why did we come here? That's awesome. You'll have a whole bunch of grandkids, Alyssa Nutting. They'll be black or Chinese or some shit because your daughter's going to have to adopt. She's going to hate men. Now to the crazy crime. Plea deal for women with gun and body cavity. A Missouri woman who had a loaded handgun hidden in her vagina at the time of arrest last year today pled guilty to weapons possession and narcotics. During an appearance at Cert Cart in McLean County, Illinois, Anita Witt, 27, copped to a pair of felony charges, charges as part of a plea agreement that requires her to testify at trial against an acquaintance with whom she was arrested. Witt faced up to 10 years in prison on a gun charge and 15 years in custody in the Harris Heroin possession rap. <laughs> Port Authority cites profoundly disturbing conduct 
and resignation of commissioner, and she's a woman. Zit Karen Z. Turner, a Democratic lobbyist from Tenafly, has resigned as a commissioner for the Port Authority in New York and New Jersey after an investigation was opened into what agency officials can only describe as profoundly disturbing conduct. Officials would not disclose the circumstances, but two sources with knowledge of investigations that involved her intervention in recent traffic stops in connection with her daughter. Liberal Politics 101. All my peoples get hooked up. Baby dies as judge denies appeal to keep him on life support. It's in Tennessee. This story is huge, and it really pisses a lot of people off because the parents weren't even there when they pulled the plug. This is big on the liberal side. Let the kids die. It's all about global warming or something? I can't figure it out. They hate cows. They hate babies. It's a weird, weird world. To our lighter fare. As covered on a previous show, this Starbucks craziness, my God, that whole case is just perfect 2018. How the liberal masses get fired up in the media. That's horrible. Black person got treated. We're terrible when there's no truth in it. They even released the damn audio tape. There, there was no racism. They were told to leave. They wouldn't leave. The cops told them to leave. They weren't, they wouldn't leave. They were just being dickheads. They were clearly activists. But the meme of this poor dude, probably some liberal kid, some little prepster behind the counter with people with megaphones, has just cracked me the fuck up. So I wanted to read some of the better ones I've run across. David Burge, Thought Balloon. I should have picked a STEM major. <laughs> Sir Racha. And that was a day Zach realized you should have listened to his mother and majored in computer science instead of sociology. <laughs> Momo. I said large. I don't speak Italian. Another one. This is what a triple vente half-sweet non-fat caramel macchiato looks like. This is what a triple vente half-sweet non-fat caramel macchiato looks like. <laughs> The other one who took to what it really would be like, probably in the room. What do we want? Lattes. How do we want them? Low foam and half calf. <laughs> Derek Hunter. How's that degree in gender studies working out for you? Another one. I said, ain't you kind of large to be dressed like an elf? And it ain't even Christmas, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> The internet just fucking cracks me up. In further Starbucks news, they've actually closed like 8,000 stores for fucking racial training. The Anti-Defamation League and NWC Legal Defense and Education Funds and Equal Justice Initiative, among others, to create the program. They're going to have a program to brainwash liberals to be more liberal. Basically, I could sum up your training. Here's a memo. Do whatever black people want just so we can sell fucking coffee. Next week it'll be gay. After that it'll be transgender. Then it'll be a woman. Midgets. Jesus Christ, you people are idiots. But that's their politics. Chris Cuomo, as a New Yorker, I am a Muslim. I am a Jew. I am black. I am gay. I am a woman seeking to control her body. We are one New York. That's his platform for re-election right there. 
and Halsey. This is real. I had to put it in the funny because this is real. This is a real thing. Soledad O'Brien said, this is so true. I have been traveling for years now, and it's been so frustrating that the hotel toiletry industry entirely alienates people of color. I can't use this perfume watered-down white people shampoo. Neither can 50% of your customers. Annoying. First of all, she said white people shampoo. I didn't know that existed, but okay. Here's a fucking newsflash, Wahoos. Bring your own shit. I didn't use the little tester bottle they fucking hand out because it's shit perfume. Here's a newsflash for all you racist black people like this Halsey lady. I don't use that shit. I'm mostly bald. But I have my own fucking shampoo because I'm not a low life trying to get fucking free shit for my whole life. But that was a huge meme. Mm. Somebody said the blow dryer might be racist too. This, if hotels really want to do something, put some organic sh- shampoo and conditioner in the bathroom. Shea butter soap and add a flat iron to go along with that little raggedy blow dryer that hangs on the wall. Somebody else hit the idiocity in all of this. Laugh my ass off. Imagine if hotels had two dry shampoo types and label them for blacks and for one for everyone else. How the outrage would be. Here's a reality. Most of the business people in the world go towards the customers that shop there, and considering that the American populace, unfortunately for you racists, is still majority white. They just put shampoo in there that people use. That's why Walmart, Kroger, Target have very small sections for ethnocentric hair care. But I'm sorry you feel persecuted by fucking free shampoo. That is perfect 2018. Free shampoo is racist. Sweet Jesus. So... On my hiatus, I did do some serious, serious fucking binge-watching. I watched Lost in Space on Netflix. It was actually pretty good. And then I watched Travelers. Now, Travelers was on TV in America at one time. And I thought it was fucking stupid, so I didn't really watch it. But it's a Canadian show made from Showcase and now Netflix. They were doing a joint venture on it for their second season, and now Netflix owns it. But you should really watch it. That is a really good show. I watched All or Nothing with the Cowboys as a Green Bay Packer fan. I have to admit, I I peed a little in my pants watching them lose. It was really exciting. But it was actually a good show. Um, And I watched All or Nothing with Michigan, which was also a good show, watching that fucking piece of shit who he shall not be named coach that I fucking hate because he beat us once in Oregon when he was at Stanford. Lose. Great show. Pretty good stuff. I also binge-watched Rectify again, which we've covered on the show. I also binge-watched The Leftovers again which we've covered on the show. And I'm now watching Altered Carbon. Um, a little Blade Runner-y weirdness, but a lot of violence and blood. So if you're interested in that kind of shit, it's free. Well, it's not. It's on Netflix, but it's still kind of free. 
Um, but that's all the binge watching I worked while I did all the projects. I've cleaned my entire house. I've organized everything but the outside because I'm waiting for the grass seed to germinate. And this week I um, will be working on outdoor projects. Tomorrow I'll be cleaning around Deadfall in the back of the woods. I'll be burning shit. I'll be cleaning the dog pan. And I'll be reclaiming the boat and the camper, which need to be pressure washed along with the house. So still got quite a bit of projects. I still don't know what I'm doing. Uh, part of me wants to go back to work. The other part is, well, you really don't have to because you pay all the bills and the wife kind of likes somebody taking care of the house. So she's kind of into this whole house dude's phase, but it's different. Um, <clears throat> it's weird getting up with no purpose, which is kind of why I didn't do podcasts because I kind of sat in a chair a couple days and did absolutely nothing. And then I got to work and did work. So I couldn't get anything done. But as stated, I promised they will, there will be podcast. Um, shooting for a Friday podcast and a Monday podcast. Um, that's my shot. It'll probably turn into Monday podcasts. So let's just go with that because that makes more sense. But, uh, every Monday going forward, my intent is to put out another podcast. And as you saw with this podcast, I try to stay away from the same stories. It's kind of hard. And I'm thinking about picking up some more subjects, non-political. On top of that, we have Big Sis in Colorado who is now anointed with a mic, my old travel snowball mic. And she'll be doing segments. We're going to throw those on the show because I thought that would be kind of fun to have a different opinion from the crisp, clean, fucking marijuana-laced hills of freaking Colorado. Um, my sister will start doing some insert so this wraps up another episode of flyover politic podcast please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments about the track by emailing f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com fop podcast at gmail.com get this show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher remember to check out the flyover politic webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com fop podcast.com it's a theme to see links to feeds for the show our Facebook page, and to email us. You can click on that. I'll give you the email address. There you also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog, which I never do on the blog page. And maybe I shouldn't because Enjoy Reads, in case it didn't turn out too well. So my intent, once again, is to do a podcast on 7 May, Year of Our Lord, 2018. I want to give a shout-out as I close to my beautiful wife, of 31 years, uh, the better half, who does all of our voiceovers, is turning the big 5-0 today. She's joined me in the club of old people, and she's gotten her junk mail AARP onslaught, which I've been getting for, uh, well, since October, <clears throat> when I turned 50. But she's a big 5-0 today, so uh, banners all over the house, streamers, balloons, She's already gotten her presents because I didn't know if she was going to be in town. And then she'll be on the road uh, for the rest of the week. So, um, once again, we're shooting for Monday. Might get you a little one on Friday. As you go out in your week, please be happy. Be safe. Turn off all your damn devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs and spend time with your family. And I duly apologize for not podcasting in two weeks. But I promise, going forward, you'll get your flyover politic podcast fix at least one a week. One a week. As we go out, I want to play one last little homage to Gunny. He shall be missed, but legends never die. As always, friends, thanks for listening. I've got one hell of a shitty goddamn job here. 
They send me 60 to 80 buckets of civilian shit and expect me to train them to be combat goddamn ready Marines. I've got to send these people to Vietnam. I'm the one that has to send them. They're going to come back in bags. They're going to come back in wheelchairs. They're going to be maimed. They're going to be fucked up people when they come back. With our folks in the military, I get to do something pretty amazing. <laughs> Hell, I can't wait to climb out of the rack in the morning to see what's waiting for me at the office. It's a guaranteed thrill ride. Hoorah! Even at my canvas mansion out in the woods. Look, Mom, I gotta get The crew and I work hard, but we still manage to make it fun. Take that, Nick. It looks like we got a heck of a storm coming in here. I better get undercover. How was that? I bet we fooled him. What do you think? That looked great. I didn't know anyone that didn't raise a hand to a private. But it was a constructive raise of a hand. It was not a, I want to hit you so that I can hurt you and abuse you type thing. It was a, did you learn anything from that private? Which side was that private pile? Right side, huh? Or left side. What side was that private pile? He knows forever. The rest of his life, he knows which which side is this. Which side is the left side of his face? Which side? so severely that that I've convinced him that he can do 12 or he's going to die. That's why. And and so when it starts to be painful, he doesn't quit. Okay, boys, for the month of July, your tails are mine. You're going to walk, talk, eat, and sleep military might. The whole month is weapons, heroes, and history. Do you have something to say to me? Grandpa, your burgers are burning. Whoops. 
Uh, at ease. Call Grandma! From battleships to airships, the force of July. Blunders like the blunderbuss to 300 rounds a minute of full automatic devastation. So get ready to scratch that itchy trigger finger. It's time to lock and load. describe most of my days out here on the mail call set as outstanding. <laughs> but some days, things just don't seem to work out the way we haven't planned. <laughs> These days, I would describe as snafu. <laughs> snafu is GI jargon for situation normal, all fucked up. It happens in the military, and it happens here on mail call. Contrary to popular belief, learning how to do a right face when it's about 95 degrees in the, in the shade is not really very much fun. I am Sergeant Major Bogus. I am your senior drill instructor. I am here to turn you slimy civilian cesspool parasites into United States Marine Corps space aviators, invoking foul-wrenching fear into the dark hearts of your enemies. Why are you here? Sir, to find a direction, sir. A direction? Are you lost? I suffer from a sense of disconnection. Answer the question. Sir, yes I am, sir. Well, do I look like a roadmap to you? Sir, no, sir. I am a roadmap. Now a snafu can come at any time, in any size, and in any shape. And when things get screwed up, well, the gunny just can't hold his tongue. And that's why you're never going to see this stuff during prime time. The Gibson girls hung around until the 1970s because they were pretty fucking ingenious. <laughs> Jason's asking a real important, interesting shit fucked up. Well, John, the answer to your damn stupid-ass fucking question here goes. Almost overwhelming the urge to say jack shit, you know, isn't it? This time we're going to stay in North Africa and answer an email from John in West New York. West New York, New Jersey? Holy dog shit. You didn't put it where I asked you to put it, did you? Get him. And see, we <laughs> fucked it up, didn't we? <laughs> they turned the old deuce and a halves into gun trucks to protect themselves from ambushes by the V.C. How about that shit? <laughs> I got an email from Dan in Bolingbrook, Illinois saying that he was a 50 caliber gunner in Vietnam. I fucked it up again. Saying he was a 50 caliber gunner in Nam, and they turned the old deuce and a half into gun, into gun trucks to protect themselves from ambushes by the B.C. Damn full of shit. Nobody ever did that, but we'll go along with it anyway. Drop and give me 25, you unorganized, grab-bastic, squid piece of shit. This is a test, yes. Don't try this shit at home. Hey, you sunk my battleship, you asshole. Holy shit! I've just got enough time to get... Fall on my ass. He writes that he saw this patch in Junior ROTC room in the... in his Junior ROTC room at school. And he's wondering, what in the fuck is it? Well, the answer's simple. Really. Because I'm a Marine. 
And Semper Fi is our motto. Numb nuts. You can't say numb nuts on. Okay. One is the Huey helicopter, and the second is the M113. That's not working. What the fuck is wrong with my 113? It's 113. Some of the bravest crews to sail the high seven seas. The high seas, cocksucker. If you think that's bad, check this out. Isn't that fucking touching? And back then, they didn't just have cell phones or email or uh, any of that bullshit. And Nathan in place of Placer fucking Bill. And Nathan in place I got the Placer Bill. Fuck me. Bottom line, Leroy, the K-Bor... K-Bor... Fuck! After Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, Dog, oh, oh, heck with it. Centrify, carry on. Jake lives in Takama, Takama. God damn it, me anyway. Hit say it a thousand times and still fuck it up. Welcome back to Mail Call. Damn near knocked my hat off there. You know, I wish I didn't even have to answer this email here from Gary in Broken Dick, Arizona. Someone's throwing me off. I'm just looking for a fucking excuse. Help me on this. And I got an email here from Jeff in Seattle, Washington. He's asking if the Coast Guard is up to the job. Are you kidding me, Jeff? Obviously, you are not aware of the Maritime Safety and Security Team. What I like to call the Coast Guard SWAT. God damn it. How dare stupid questions like that shit? Send the boys over to Jeff's house. Take care of that fucking idiot. The war on terrorism means we need a... God, gee, come on, hear me. But I better not hear you calling me, Jarts. God damn it. God damn it, Irby, you spastic. God damn it, Irby, get it together here. God damn Come on, Irby. God damn it, Irby. God damn it, Irby. God damn it, Irby. God damn it. Wake up here, Irby. God damn it, Irby. God damn it. Yeah? Oh, honey. I told you not to call me here at work. The washer's fucked up? <laughs> we got a lot more mail call coming up. Fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. If you ladies leave my island, if you survive recruit training, you will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. You are not even human fucking beings. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. I don't want no teenage queen. I don't want no teenage queen. I just want my M14. I just want my M14. If I die in the combat zone. If I die in the combat zone. Park me up and ship me home.
listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Cause I feel the same